0: To the spoken Ladies. spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell.
1: This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys Trevor Was good, and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 149 in full swing, full motion. Man, we are so happy to be here, guys, because we have not only one, but two Chiefs games that we want to get to this week, guys, because it is the end of the regular season, and because of the fact that the Chiefs obviously played on Saturday, we had to go ahead and switch our regular scheduled show that is on Saturdays over to Sundays, and I hope you guys don't mind, but we are going to go ahead and get this thing kicked off. We have our guy... Shaggy Shane from the Shaggy Shane Show joining us in just a little bit. Get his thoughts on both the Bengals and Broncos games that happened within the last week. Uh, We got the Eddie Hour. We got to get to some of these other thoughts and opinions that we have in the world of sports, not just here in Kansas City area when it comes to the Chiefs. But trust me when I say we got plenty of Chiefs takes to get to, guys, and I promise you that we're going to get to those early and often. And whether you're live streaming, you're you're, uh, YouTubing, or you're actually podcasting like the OGs did back in the day, we want to thank you for being here with us on this Sunday. We absolutely love and appreciate every single one of you guys. I'm going to thank you for being here with us. I cannot believe that we're already almost at 150 episodes, man. We are coming up on three years as a show, and I did not think that was going to be something that was going to be possible. I thought we were all just going to get sick of it eventually just kidding we absolutely love this man and i actually appreciate everybody that's either new or that's just that's been around for the longest time we appreciate all you guys so man you know as much as, as i want to be excited and talk about this last victory that the chiefs just had about i don't know 13 14 hours ago as excited as i want to be and talk about that one which we will get to i want to start this i want to start with something that isn't as exciting. It's something I'm actually still very much burning up on because of the fact that it actually had everything to do with why the Chiefs had to play so, so vehemently and so stressful last night. And it was the Bengals and Chiefs game from last week in Week 17. Now, I know everyone's been screaming at me all week long on Twitter and on Facebook, Lance, the game's over. It's on to Denver. It's on to the playoffs. Let's forget about it. No, I'm not going to do that. And here's why. Because of the fact that I'm okay... As, as, a, as a big, big fan of sports, as somebody that is such a vehement follower of competition as a whole, I'm a competitor myself, I'm, comp- I'm competitive in everything I do in life, and I'm willing to accept defeat when it is legitimized. When it is something that I believe was done because of the one-on-one matchup and one was better than the other. That is not what happened last Sunday in Cincinnati. And I want to get right to the heart of it all. And it's the problem that we have been having in this league all season long. In fact, it's been a problem that the league's been having for for years and years and years. But for some reason, this season in particular, it almost feels like the replacement year, the replacement ref's year, I believe that was, what, 2014 or 2015 when that happened? If I'm not mistaken, when the head of it was in the Seahawks-Packers game, when one official is waving it, you know, a touchback, touch touch, uh, interception. The other one's at the same time, touchdown Seahawks, and the Seahawks win, and then the Packers get absolutely jobbed. It's been feeling like that for the majority of this season, and I think it came to a head this season in Week 17, Chiefs versus Bengals. Now I know this is going to sound like a Chiefs fan just bitching and complaining because his team took an L. Well, if you guys have not, if you guys maybe have missed something earlier in the year, the Chiefs took four early L's, and I wasn't blaming the refs for those losses. I was blaming the Chiefs. I was saying the Chiefs were failing. I was saying Andy Reid was failing. I was saying that the team is is not playoff-bound, not Super Bowl-bound at this time. I was questioning their heart. I was questioning the vigor. I was questioning everything about this team. I wasn't sitting here blaming the refs. Even though the Chiefs got jobbed against the the Chargers in Week 3, a horrible defensive pass interference on Legereus Sneed. And it saved the Chargers. I still wasn't blaming the refs. I am 100% blaming the refs in this Bengals game. And the reason being... Is the fact that the Chiefs, according to my guy from Real Bird Lawyer on Twitter, which I highly recommend you guys give him a follow. He's also got a great podcast as well. It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Him and Taylor Witt do a great job. Uh, according to Real Bird Lawyer, the Bengals had four scoring drives on Sunday where they were stopped on third or fourth down and then converted via defensive penalty. Another thing that Real Bird Lawyer brought to our attention is the fact that there were six, six first downs that the Bengals inherited off of penalties. Now, you can sit here and look at it and just look at the box score and say, oh, well, I guess the Chiefs were just very undisciplined that day. I challenge anybody to go watch the majority of those penalties that the Chiefs got, especially in the second half, and tell me that those were legitimate penalties. And how, not just the fact that the Chiefs got phantom calls against them, it was the fact that the Bengals somehow some way convinced the refs to look the other way when they were committing false starts after false starts and holdings and illegal contacts downfield against tyree kill 15 yards two guys body check them no penalty right in the middle of the field and on the final drive against the Bengals, the Bengals offensive lineman left the left guard has a full motion forward before the ball is snapped no penalty whatsoever and you would think that the line judges would be able to see that, seeing that all the action is literally within one yard of itself. There's no big range of area. There's 10 yards behind the defenders and the goal line. That's all we're looking at, and they still didn't see that. Joe Burrow, the very next play, false start, no call. And then you see penalty after penalty after penalty on the Chiefs. It felt like the league was literally giving the game to the Bengals. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here. But as I said during that game, games like that are why conspiracy theorists exist. Because it set everything else in motion for the league to make everything that much more interesting for Week 18, which it did. Because now as we're looking at it, and as we're live streaming, games are about to begin for the afternoons, the, the noon slate, where all these games matter that much more. The Chiefs had to beat the Broncos to stay alive for the one seed in Week 18. The Titans have to beat the, ten, the, the, the Texans, who beat them four or five weeks ago, to keep the one seed. There's so much more intrigue now because of that one game. Now, because the Chiefs played on Saturday, are probably going to play the first Monday Night Football playoff game in the history of the NFL. What better team and what player, better player to have on Monday Night Football for the first time in playoff history than the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? It's beautifully written. And again, I don't want to be the guy that sits here and blames the refs. I'm not blame the ref guy. That's how bad that game was officiated. And it really sucks more than anything, and I'm going to tell you why. The reason why it sucks the most is because of the fact that the Bengals did enough to win that game. Think about it. When you have Joe Burrow going out there and throwing over 430 yards and four touchdowns at a home game, you should probably win. When you have Jamar Chase, a rookie receiver, putting up numbers that Randy Moss can only dream of in a single game, you should win but yet we're sitting here breaking down something that has nothing to do with their performances. Why is that? Because no matter how great Joe Burrow and and, and, and Jamar Chase were that day, the Chiefs still had the lead when, when those guys were still doing what they were doing. In the third and 27 play... I want to bring that up as well because the third and 27 play was incredible and people have been killing Spaggs for that and trust me when I say I didn't agree with Spaggs' formation as well. The call that he made when sending the house, leaving one-on-one for Shavarius Ward, who's not a cornerback one to begin with. He's a cornerback two in this league, a very good cornerback two, but he's not a premier cornerback in this league. And you're leaving him a one-on-one against Jamar Chase who's been eating him alive all game. That's a stupid call. But even with that, Shavarius Ward on that play, if you go and look that back and you can find the photos, Had his full hand on the ball. So Traverius Moore couldn't have made a better play on that ball. Couldn't have made a better play on that play. The luck of that play dropped the ball right back into Jamar Chase's hands, and he made the play. So you got to live and die with that. But even with that, the Chiefs still had the lead in that game. We forget that those drives in the second half, the Chiefs made stops on third and fourth downs. But these penalties kept those drives alive. So even with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow doing what they did, and they balled the hell out, the Chiefs still should have won the game. Why do I know that? Because despite how great they were and how horrific the the, the patchwork and the makeshift known as the referees in that game were, it took a buzzer-beating field goal for the Bengals to win that game. If that game was fairly officiated, just close, If, if the, I've always said, if the refs are going to be bad, be bad for both teams. That wasn't the case. The Chiefs not only had twice as many penalties, but had twice as many costly penalties. Name a single penalty in that game that the Chiefs benefited off of. I'll wait, because I haven't found it. I could find at least six that the Bengals significantly benefited off of. That game was just called fairly. The Chiefs win that game by double digits. And that's what pisses me off about that game because if the Chiefs were to lose that game and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase did what they did, I would just simply tip my cap and say the Bengals were the better team that week, just like the Ravens were, just like the Chargers were, just like the Titans were, just like the Bills were. All those teams were better than the Chiefs the weeks they beat them. And I tipped my cap to those teams. I can't tip my cap to the Bengals now, and that sucks because they had a great game. They did enough, but they were given that game, and now because of that, the Chiefs have to hope and pray that the Titans drop a game again to the Texans. That's not fair to me, man. It's not okay. The league has got to take this shit more seriously, and I know they won't because we're sitting here talking about them. We're sitting here worshiping the game that they present. We're not, we're not going anywhere. The casuals aren't going anywhere. The money's still raking in. So why in the world would they change anything? Why would they take this shit seriously? So here I am bitching about it, and they're not going to do anything about it. That's the dilemma we're living in. And yes, it sucks to see my team taking out like that. But the fact is, that is where we're at. And that's what worries me more than anything going into the playoffs. Is the fact that I don't think there's any team in the AFC that can legitimately beat the Chiefs. But if they get bad officiating, I am terrified. Because if there's a narrative to drive, and we start seeing these fluky calls again, the Chiefs could absolutely lose in the playoffs earlier than expected. Now, I do want to move real quick to the Broncos game, because I know that we got a lot of thoughts on that. This is what I'll say about this game. There's no reason the Worldwide should have been close. And I'm going to criticize the Chiefs pretty heavily on this one. And the reason being is this. And it's in particularly one player. The Chiefs came into this game looking incredible offensively. They started the game with a 17-play drive. Looked efficient, fundamental, methodical, efficient, sexy as hell, and they got it done. And you're thinking, okay, Chiefs just made multiple stops on defense. Chiefs just scored at will. This is going to be over quick, just like we all expected. And then on special teams, one motherfucker by the name of Zane Anderson decided to put his imprint on the game again. Because as we remember just a week ago, and I failed to mention it in my previous rant, Zane Anderson was the reason why Byron Pringle didn't get a kick return last week. Because he held. Now, people can say, well, that happens all the time. I was saying that it happens all the time. But he still did it. It was evident. This week, he decided to mix it up a little bit by running the fucking punter over. That was really nice of him. Because then it gave the Broncos the ball, but not just the ball. It gave them life. The Broncos, before that punt, looked lifeless. You saw the way Drew Locke was walking around. You saw the way their offenses they're all carrying their heads down. They knew they were about to get their asses handed to them. The defense knew they were about to get their asses handed to them. Everybody knew Vic Fangio was probably going to get fired. The Broncos had nothing to play for. And they were already down 7-0 before we all started getting our nachos warmed up. And because of Zane Anderson, the Broncos were like, oh, shit. We got the ball back. Bet. Crowd's getting back into it. I had friends that were in the stands. Chiefs fans were saying, you felt the atmosphere change right there. And then Drew Locke looks like vanilla Vic and rushes for two touchdowns. And all of a sudden, this is a game. And for the the next three quarters, I'm over here stressing, unlike I ever thought I would against a Broncos team that, again... Had nothing to play for, and the Chiefs that had everything to play for. And what was pissing me off the most, and again, that that field was fucking terrible. Yeah, I, I almost feel like that was intentional. The Broncos knew they had nothing to play for, and they knew the Chiefs were coming in town. Let's just let the rain and snow and all that shit just hit the ground, and it'll be fine. It looked horrible, it really, bad. really bad. And I was getting worried. Harrison Butker slipping everywhere. Michael Hardin was slipping everywhere. Offensive linemen Tyreek. were falling. Tyreek was falling. He hurt his heel. Like there was a lot of sh- shady shit going on in that game. And despite that, I still felt like the Chiefs were just cashing it in. And this is the thing that I, I absolutely hate about this team sometimes. I love them so much. You guys know I do. Outside of any human being on this planet, I love the Chiefs more than anything else. But the thing I hate about this team sometimes, and I feel like they just kind of cash it in sometimes because they know that the winning has come so easy to them a lot of times throughout the last four years especially, that, oh, we'll, we'll still find a way to win. And, of course, they did. They still ended up winning by four points. And, you know, we're sitting here relieved and all that shit. But you can see it. Tyron Matthew was 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 taking business decisions. LeJarius Snead was making business decisions. Chris Jones wasn't playing very often. They were sitting Tyreek Hill from the majority of the game because he did have that heel injury. Uh, Travis Kelsey wasn't getting a lot of playing time early in the game. There was a lot of just it felt like the Chiefs felt like they already had things wrapped up, even though they were trailing. And I didn't li- I didn't like that mentality at all. And Patrick Mahomes, I look you look at his numbers. They they were they were good. They weren't great. But if you watch that game, Patrick Mahomes was phenomenally great last night. I was telling Trevor this when the game was still going. I said he had a couple bad throws, but Byron Pringle ran bad routes last night. Tyreek Hill did not run around the defender in the end zone. That would have been he a touchdown if he'd have done that. He was banged up, so yeah. I get that. So Patrick, Mahomes, it looked like he he should have thrown a couple interceptions. Those were not on Patrick Mahomes. I watched them, and I confirmed those are people that watch film all twenty two. They're like, yeah, those were great throws. They were on, they were in rhythm. They were where they needed to be. Pringle ran bad routes. Tyreek ran bad routes. But Patrick did have a couple bad throws that I did see myself. The the outward pass to Travis Kelsey on the left side underthrew him by about five yards. Not a good throw. But Patrick Mahomes once again. Leading his team in rushing. Daryl Williams goes down. Clyde's not in. Gore, good player, but he's not a premier back. That's all he really had to rely on. And again, his team was cashed in and cashed out. Horrible calls again last night. Joe Toney's holding call. Absolutely atrocious. It was a screen pass. He let the defender go. That's not holding. Confirm this with Mitchell and Jeff Schwartz. And we're still sitting here watching Patrick Holmes going out here and dicing up the Broncos. I mean, can you guys imagine being a Broncos fan today? Knowing that this man is nine and zero against you, and you've lost thirteen straight to the Chiefs, holy shit, man! Like I remember growing up and 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 thinking that 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 John Elway and the Broncos used to own the Chiefs, and I used to think, God, I hate this guy, I, I can't stand John Elway and the Broncos. And then I go and look at the differences between John Elway against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes against the Broncos. So, in John Elway's career against the against the Chiefs, he went seventeen and twelve. That's good. He has a winning record against the Chiefs. But he completed 56% of his passes. He only averaged 228 yards per game. He had 30 total touchdowns with 35 interceptions and a 74 quarterback rating. Patrick Mahomes against the Broncos in his career is 9-0. He completes 65% of his passes, 253 yards per game, 14 total touchdowns, four interceptions with a 97 quarterback rating. In other words, Patrick Mahomes is what John Elway thought he was. A legitimate tyrant. A tyrant to the AFC West. Patrick Holmes has never lost a road game to a divisional foe. He's 13-0 on the road against divisional foes. So this game to me, because i gotta, I got to give credit to Melvin Ingram, and i got to give credit to Nick Bolton for that play. That literally saved the game. But if the Chiefs didn't have Patrick Holmes still out there playing like that was a playoff game, mm. the Broncos would have destroyed the Chiefs. Because for three and a half quarters, the Broncos were doing everything they wanted to do on the field, offensively. Drew Locke didn't have to throw the ball downfield at all last night. They were dump, dump dump off passes to Tim Patrick, who was eating the Chiefs alive, in the flats. Melvin in- Melvin Gordon was destroying the Chiefs through the tackles. I mean, it was it was so. It was so debilitating and so infuriating to watch a Broncos team who, once again, had nothing to play for and was the 23rd overall offense coming into that game, going in there and doing what they wanted to do in the first three downs on each and every drive. It was so unbelievably upsetting. And it all started with Zane Anderson, who, again, only has a job because he went to uh, Andy Reid's alma mater, just like Dan Sorensen. They both went to BYU. So, of course, you got these white backs, defensive backs, that are getting an opportunity just to just get become baked cookies every single week. And you have these guys out here literally almost costing the Chiefs. But this is to the praise of Patrick Mahomes' greatness. Now, Melvin Ingram and Nick Bolton deserve all the praise for what they did on the defensive side, but I also want to give some praise to Brett Veach. Because of the fact that if you look at this offseason alone, we all criticize his drafting skills and the questions are there legitimately because 2018 and 2019 drafts were not all that great. Some guys, that you know, you hit, but you still have some questions. This offseason alone, he went and got himself Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, you had Trey Smith, then you go and get Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown Jr., and Melvin Ingram. All six legitimate, quality, top-tier starters. Got to give Brent Featured some credit here, man, because man. that was an incredible decision for him to make on all six of those guys. He literally hit home runs on all six. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. The Chiefs won this game. It was a frustrating one. Should not have been that close. It was... These are the type of wins that usually galvanize a team going into the playoffs, but I don't think the Chiefs need much galvanizing because they're the most experienced team in the playoffs since 2018. They have the most games and most wins in that period and most Super Bowl appearances. I I believe that people are questioning the energy. People are questioning whether the Chiefs give a shit. You know, that, Is that going to be the effort they have going into the playoffs or they're going to be one and dones if that happens? If you honestly believe for a second that the Chiefs are going to go into the playoffs with that same mentality, you have not watched Chiefs football. The Chiefs are going to go into the playoffs this year, whether they have to play wild card round or the divisional round, and they're going to absolutely destroy whoever they play in that first that first game. I'm putting that out there right now. Broncos' game was very frustrating. The Beagles' game was even more frustrating for obviously two very different reasons. Trevor, I want to start with you. Give me your recaps. Yeah, I mean, you covered
2: you covered a good majority of it as far as how the game went and the vibe of the game. It was it was entertaining to start. Like The game felt like we were going to get rolling, um, but then obviously uh, some penalties and some – some some dumb penalties that were actually our fault this time. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it swayed the uh, the momentum of the game and gave some confidence to a very unconfident offense. Um, but, I mean, overall, man, like, I mean, I know our defense, Tim Patrick was getting way too much work allowed his way. It felt like, it almost felt intentional. Like, we were kind of just like, I know we, were, we play a lot of man, but at the same time, like, Tim Patrick shouldn't have been doing what he was doing out there, man. Like, we, this, is, this was a game we needed to win. Yeah, You know, and I don't like that mentality from our defenses. And, and I get it. We were, had guys rotating in and out. Chris Jones wasn't on the field that as much as he normally is, obviously. So the pressure's not going to be the same. Drew Lock was a little more, that much more comfortable without Chris Jones out there. Um, the o- only real problem I had, I mean, I know penalties are going to come and go. And that one, the Zane one was untimely once again. Um, and it's just a stupid thing. You don't run into a kicker like that. It's just, a, I mean, you got to run past him or run across the front of him. You don't run directly towards a kicker. It's just right. a stupid thing to do, and everyone should know this. And cost of penalties on, on the special teams should just never happen, um, especially a divisional game, last game of the year, put this one away. That was it's unacceptable. It sucks to see that, but it happened. Nonetheless, I just, for me, I just feel like Drew Locke running two touchdowns on us. One of them was from the 30-plus yard line. I just that's unacceptable man. Like I that was uh, that was so hard to take. Yeah. Like sitting there watching him do it twice. The first one was like shit man. All right. Well, he caught us off guard. We weren't expecting his mobility. He, you know he, he he was a you know he saw the 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 middle open up and he just went for it. you know kudos to him cool. Don't let that shit happen again. Right. It happened again. <laughs> you know within for the next 10 minutes he does it again and I'm just like, "Bro, how that that just can't happen defensively. I don't care who's on the field." I mean spags or whoever Schematically you can't allow Drew Locke To rush two touchdowns right. You know what I mean so that's just That was terrible to watch um, But overall I mean I'm not I wasn't expecting like an A plus effort From our defense to be honest Because I know we were trying to like Keep everybody healthy And we unfortunately It looked like Travis Kelsey Was a little banged up Tyreek was banged up somehow pregame Don't know really what the hell happened there he Peter, Peter
1: Schrager did say this morning On uh, NFL and Fox That both are completely fine They just were a little banged up so.
2: Yeah, I know, Andy, came out. I know Andy came out and even said that tra- Travis Kelsey is fine. I mean, yeah. we, we expect nothing less. Travis could be missing a foot and be like, yeah, I'm fine. You know what I mean? So <laughs> He always
1: plays, man. Always yeah, available yeah, yeah. Every so,
2: time. Uh, I, I expect that. And, and Tyreek, too. I mean, Tyreek, just played through a shit ton of things, too. He's out there gimping around making play. I mean, he was gimping around the sidelines, comes in and makes that fourth down play. That like play was, works like, every nothing. damn time, too. Yeah, like it was every nothing. He just comes in, just quick slant, boom, you ain't going to stop me. I'm too damn fast. Right. Pat him on the spot. It was just yeah, it was. <laughs> it's just funny seeing that. He just comes in and then gets right back out. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Pat was surgical. Um, made a couple of his vintage cross-body throws across the field. It's just electric at times, oh, you know, doing incredible. what he does. He really, I mean, and kudos to that Broncos defense, man. That's a good defense, especially going into Denver. It's one of the hardest places to play. It's cold. Um, Elevation a, that, is that, insane. That fan base was rocking, yeah. man. Uh, kudos to them for being there and, and supporting their team, you know, and knowing that they're not going anywhere after this game. Uh, that was a loud loud crowd up there giving Patrick um, some some issues early on. He had a, he couldn't hear shit for a minute there. Um, so, I'm excited about this postseason. Whether, ne- nevertheless, the uh, whatever seeding we get, I'm excited for whoever we get, man. Yeah, I really want the Raiders, if I'm being honest with you. I would love to see the Raiders win this game today. And, and, and we, we The find Colts a way would to,
1: have to lose to the Jaguars, but yes. I know. Yeah. I
2: just want you – no. Know, as long as we've had a Raiders matchup in the postseason, man, oh,
1: I've I wanted that for I a long time. They, it's been since probably the 1969 yeah, season, I think, I that the Chiefs and the Raiders I've have never played seen in it. the playoffs against yeah, each
2: other. I've never seen it in my lifetime, and that's just why I want it so bad. Um but, yeah, I mean, overall, this game was just um, – it started off good. Like I said, we looked like we were in, in, in a good rhythm offensively, which we were. Uh, and Pat didn't look bad, really, outside. He left a touchdown on the field, I will say, though. I believe it was Michael Hartman streaking down the sideline when he tried to throw it towards the middle of the field. Obviously, it was an incomplete pass. He was scrambling. There was some pressure. And he just took his eyes off, which is un—you know not like him to take his eyes off from the deep downfield throws. Um but I think Tyra I think it was um uh, Hartman was just wide open down. It would have been an easy walk in touchdown. He we could have play, we played the Raiders team. in
1: ninety one in the playoffs, ninety one. Ninety one? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean that
2: was two. So <laughs> not even I was about to be two probably. Um so yeah, I've never seen the Raiders matchup in the postseason. I would love to see that. that's what I want. But overall this game, man, it was um way closer than I thought it would be, way closer than it should have been. Uh dumb penalties. Uh, the running backs in Denver are good. Melvin Gordon always finds a way to score against us. I, I mean, I just got to give it to him. Melvin Gordon, even if it's on the Chargers or whoever he's at, he finds a way to get a, a score on us or two. Um, those running backs are good there in Denver. That's a good roster in Denver. Uh, they were down a couple guys. They still managed to play fairly good defense against our offense. Um, tough crowd. But Patrick Mahomes overcame it. Nick Bolton, my guy. I mean, I've <laughs> loved the, the guy. season. Yeah, season with hundred was one hundred sixteen tackles. Not even a, a full time starter. Yeah, not even a full time starter. Rookie led the league in uh, tackles yeah. for the loss the entire year. I mean, he's playing behind Hitchens, guys. He's yep. not even the starter of this team, and this guy's out there just wreaking havoc. Made the biggest play maybe of his career. Hopefully, he has more to come. I love this kid. Him and Melvin Ingram are a good duo right now. They play well together. Melvin Ingram with that electric hit, dude. Absolutely blew that play
1: up. According to Matt McMullen from the Chiefs, Nick Mullen finished the regular season with 112 total tackles, becoming the youngest or the first rookie to lead the Kansas City in tackles yeah. since Dino Hackett in 1986. And
2: he's an MO. He's a Missouri owned, Missouri's own kid, yeah. and I love yeah. it. He's local. Um, I love the pick. i like, I didn't know much about him. We picked him. But I knew when I watched this tape, I was like, "Man, this guy is the kind of linebacker I love. Those guys that get in there and get those tackles for losses, will beat you and hit you at the, line, the back behind the line of scrimmage. He's just a playmaker, man. He's very aggressive. I like those aggressive. He's kind of like a. a he's not that versatile, more quick. He's undersized. got limitations, yeah, but he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's got coverage limitations past, for sure, yeah. but that's not his strength. I mean, everybody's got their strength. He's an
1: old school linebacker, but
2: he makes plays, man. And Willie Gay looked good out there flying around. That's more his strength is being the quicker guy. But Nick Bolton is just." Him and Melvin Elvin Ingram played well together, and that was a great play. That game sealed the game. Eighty-six yard fumble return from Nick, Dol- Nick Bolton got super gassed towards the end there, yeah. uh, but he started jogging by the fifty hey, yard line. <laughs> he got he got it to the house, and that's he all matters. Yeah. yeah, while running. Them. So um, I liked I liked that the, the defense was struggling for a lot of the game, but the defense is also what put the game away. So I do I do like that. And, and Pat walked into the end zone for the two point conversion to ice it. Um, yeah, we're, we're we're definitely confident going into this this post season. Just make sure everybody's healthy. But overall, man, the game was ugly. Most divisional games are, if we're being honest. We've had some uncomfortable, a lot of uncomfortable divisional games these last few years. But we end up on top more times than we, than, than we don't. So I'm okay with it. Um, yeah, overall good performance offensively for sure. But the defense has got to tighten some things up.
3: Yeah, I mean, you guys, man, you guys pretty much touch on everything. But yeah, my biggest takeaway on here was. The offense. Uh, why did I say the offense? Because the offense has been inconsistent for me throughout the whole season. And within the last two, three games that they're they're starting to get their rhythm back, starting to starting to become that that offense, you know, that can be, be explosive even though they're not doing explosive plays, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. And and I'm starting to like that. And the reason I'm, I wasn't too afraid if we lost this game or if if we would have won this game, I, no, I wasn't too concerned because at the end of the day, you're going to, against a top three defense and it is a divisional opponent. So it, it it wouldn't tell me much because obviously you play the Broncos two twice every year, so obviously they're going to make adjustments from your first game. So those adjustments are going to be very, very noticeable on the second game. Obviously the Raiders didn't do that, but you know that's a different story. <laughs> but yeah, so I wasn't too concerned. I was like, there were there were some throws that Patrick did kind of like you know either hurried up or he just he just had bad throws. There was there was a few balls that would have been easily picked if the defenders were you know catching didn't have butter fingers. But no. yeah, this this offense looks promising. It looks it looks in good shape going into the playoffs. Uh, obviously Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey not playing majority of the game. Well. Yeah, yeah, I would say majority of the game because Travis Kelsey didn't really play at the beginning. He did, but he wasn't a, a really big contributor to the game. Yeah. And then obviously Tyreek Hill having just one, two, couple plays, and then obviously almost missing the entire third quarter. So Patrick Mahomes was, you know, still doing it with not his top two weapons. So he he's out there, you know, making plays. Obviously Mahomes being Mahomes. But but yeah, uh, this defense, like Trevor said, has to tighten some things. Some things up. The run game, we're, we're, that was one of our strengths coming into the last two weeks. And these last two weeks have completely, like, the defense had just completely forgot about how to block uh, running plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just letting guys run through the middle like it ain't nothing. Like, they're just going through there, uh, not being subbed. They're getting six, seven yards each run. So that's all they're doing, trying to keep Mahomes out, out of the out of the game, you know, just, just keep them on the sidelines. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but like Trevor said as well, like this defense was the reason this game was so close, but yet again was the reason this team really won at the end mm-hmm. because of the fumble. So there there's some things that the defense has to adjust. There has to be some adjustments to this defense. I don't know what it is. Hopefully they know what it is. But there is definitely some some tweaks that have to be done for this defense to continue to be great, especially now that we're going into the playoffs. Yeah. So, Yeah. Overall, this game was was close. It was nasty. It was ugly. Uh, obviously, the field didn't help, but I, but I th- but but I I am happy of how the Chiefs played and how they handled the adversity in this game. How they how they handled themselves. Like I said, it is a divisional opponent, top three defense. You gotta give credit to the Chiefs because, you know that that game they could have easily lost. That 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 would have been uh, easy uh, L two. So. Yeah, so just...
1: I, I will say some note some other notables that I want to make out there. I want to first say congratulations to Daryl Williams getting a thousand yards from scrimmage.
2: Hopefully he's
3: alright. Hopefully
1: he's okay. I know he had a, I think believe an ankle injury that he did not return from. Uh, so let's hope he is alright because the Chiefs would could very much use him down the stretch. We always see these backup running backs make some big decision big big plays for the Chiefs in the playoffs, like we've seen with Damien Williams and Daryl Williams has been nothing short of incredible this season for the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, also, McCole Hardman. Uh, A guy that I have loved very much and that I have also departed my feelings for earlier in the season has definitely... Definitely put his stamp. He was the featured
2: uh, offensive weapon yeah, yesterday. He almost
1: took one in the house yesterday. He had a hundred receiving yards for the first them. time in his career. Mm-hmm. He had a hundred receiving yards for the first time in his career. He also had career highs in every single statistical category this season besides touchdowns. So I'm really, I'm really proud of McColl for what he did this season. I think he got himself, he won himself at least one more season with the Chiefs. Um, I still don't know what's going to be his future with the Chiefs, but I definitely think they're going to bring him back next year to see what he's got because he has elevated his game.
3: You, you think so? Even though. Uh...
1: We've seen what Pringle can do, which is almost identical to what Michael Cole right. can do. The reason why I say that I think the Chiefs are going to bring him back next season because he's just so damn young and so damn fast. With with those two things, with him, being, with him being as cheap as he is, yeah. he's only making like 2 or $3 million next yeah. season, uh, and, and him being so fast, like the, the, the speed is the thing that keeps him coming back. So unless the Chiefs are trying to get, like, a third or fourth round pick out of McCall Hardman okay. from, like, the Saints or a team like that that could really use his speed and, and versatility, I just don't think he's going to go anywhere Unless we else. can go
2: get a Brandon Cooks or something, else, something yeah. off this offseason because he's going to be cheaper. He's going to be more damn near a vet minimum and Brandon player Brandon Cooks is 30 years old. i saying. Yeah. We could possibly yeah, so, get him out of vet
3: min. I mean, yeah. It's either I would say either trade him or something like that next year because you also got that, that rookie that obviously didn't – he's with the practice squad, but – Maybe he could be something maybe next year. I also
1: something. I also do want to give uh, some credit to somebody that we didn't talk about at all yesterday and that we were concerned about his leg was Orlando Brown Jr. He was great yesterday. He was fine. He was yeah. yeah he, he had a calf injury last week. Everyone was freaking out. Thought it was because you know your calf's attached to your Achilles. Your Achilles is attached to your calf. People were starting to speculate. Went out there and looked like a Pro Bowl All Pro player to me. To yesterday, last, he yeah, last just game, tweaked so. it a little bit. Yeah. So I, I wanted to give those guys some mentions. I definitely wanted to give that out and uh, just give a lot of praise to this team for being gritty and winning an ugly game. It seems to be that the Chiefs win more ugly games than not. But nevertheless, the Chiefs are now going into the playoffs. We don't know exactly what seed they're going to get as we're recording this show. Uh, mm. Some of you that are going to be listening to this on the podcast will know by that time. But this is what we have at this current time. And with that, we are going to segue to the Eddie Hour. Eddie, what do you got this week, man, Ooh. in the Eddie Hour?
3: Nice. Caught me off guard there. <laughs> All right, man. Just a few questions. Nothing Nothing uh, Pressing. major. Yeah. All right, first question. Ooh is this baker mayfield's last game as a brown
1: last week talk about last week i i i i mean answer like this because of the browns being the browns and browns is the browns as juju J- smith schuster like to say yeah i think there is a chance that he's probably going to be back i think Ooh. they're going to convince themselves to to pick up they already picked up his fifth year option uh, i think they're going to try to convince themselves that it can work with baker If I'm the Browns, I trade him as soon as I possibly can. And I'm saying whatever you can get out of a Baker Mayfield, which I think they can still get a mid-round pick and maybe a conditional attached to it. I I think there's value to him with his age and just him being a a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's not a terrible quarterback. He's definitely not a great quarterback. He's one of those middle-tier guys, and with the league being scarce with good quarterbacks, there's not a lot of them. He's going to get a job somewhere, whether it is initially a backup role or gets himself a chance to play on a bad team. Uh, I I definitely think that the Browns should trade him, and I think they should go full-fledged after Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, try to go for a big hit. Because if they don't get one of these big hits, they're just basically replacing Baker Mayfield with a Baker Mayfield. If they try to go get, like, Kirk Cousins in the offseason, they're just getting an expensive Baker Mayfield who's in his 30s. So if you can't get a big, heavy hitter, a a quarterback like one of those two guys, or a Deshaun Watson – you, they might as well just stick with Baker because there, there's no there's no guys coming out of these drafts right now that look like they're going to be promising at all. Do you really want to hit your wagon with a team as skilled as they are and ready to win now to a rookie quarterback? I don't think they do. So there's really only two options. You keep Baker Mayfield or you trade you trade him and then you use whatever assets you get to go and get one of those great quarterbacks. That's the only two ways I see it. Hopefully for the Browns, they go and get themselves a great quarterback because that team is straight up just waiting to have a quarterback capable. If they just had a top 10 quarterback, that team's an AFC championship. They're not they're missing the playoffs this year. They'd be in the AFC Championship this year if they had a capable quarterback.
2: Yeah, I mean, I look at this similar to how when Patrick Mahomes first emerged into the AFC West, you know, they have the Joe Burrow emerging over there in that division now. So they're gonna, they know all, all these, all these the Steelers as well. Now that Big Ben's gonna be out of the picture, they need to go find a quarterback that's in immediately because that's still a good team. That's, that's a well-run awesome. team. All these teams are gonna have to put the pedal to the metal and try to find a quarterback so then you know the Chargers went and got Justin Herbert who was a great counter move he's been a great quarterback in this league for the most part of his career so far um has put up some good competition games against Patrick Mahomes in this division um uh so yeah I mean I look at it similar to that obviously Joe Burrow is not Patrick Mahomes but the impact is fairly similar because he's looking like a great quarterback in this league and it looks like he's going to be one for a while um so they're gonna have to keep pace with him because the Bengals look like they're the ones taking over this division uh, the Browns got good players in that roster, especially defensively. That's a very loaded defense, and they got obviously some great running backs in that on that offense too. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I think Baker's done there. I do. I think um, I think he's going to go somewhere else, compete for a starting job somewhere else. Whether it's Philly, whether it's one of these teams that is unsure about their starter, Denver, Denver for sure. I mean, Denver. This is a revolving door of opportunities for quarterbacks if they want to go try to make make something a, a, a note for their career, but. Um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of places he could go um to to try to, to, try to be a a starting quarterback um so um yeah i mean I, I don't know man i don't know what his future holds but i do i do feel very fairly confident that baker is not the guy anymore i think he's kind of shown that one he can't stay healthy and when he's healthy he is extremely mediocre um will pull a crazy play out of his ass every once in a while but that's not you can't depend on that um, he's had he's had talent surrounding him pretty much since he's been in the NFL. He's had a good roster pretty much since mm-hmm. he's been there. Um, he's And he's got a great running game, run first offense, and he still can't perform when he's dependent on to throw the ball. So I think they've lost trust in Baker. I've lost trust in Baker. I liked him when he came into this league. I thought he had a good personality and very confident, but confidence can only get you so far. Um, so, yeah, I believe he's gone. I don't know where he's going to go. I'm not going to try to predict that yet, but there are there's definitely going to be opportunities for Baker. I, I do believe that. I think he's a charismatic guy, wants to win – um, and somebody else will believe in him for sure, but I think the, I think the Browns the Browns have uh, have uh, lost trust. All
3: right, so Trev, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the Steelers and big men obviously retiring at the end of the season. Yeah, that's what that's what we think. And well, he's out of out of, out of, out of
2: Pittsburgh. If he doesn't retire, I mean, this, this thing is getting old, man. Yeah, like, but, <laughs> I, but
3: I, I do think he's out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. I think this is his last season. In oh, Pittsburgh, he's done. Whether he's he, done. whether he's re- he retires or not. Yeah. Uh, so my question is, what would you like the Steelers to do? trade for a quarterback or try and see if
1: they can find one in the draft? They have to trade for a quarterback. Uh, this is something the Steelers are not accustomed to because obviously they've had the same starting quarterback now since, what, 04. Yeah. So I know this is something they're not accustomed to, but unlike the Packers, they have zero contingency plans. They can't go with Mason Rudolph next season. They just they would be in purgatory again. I mean, Mason Rudolph is a backup quarterback for a reason. Yeah. And as I said about Baker Mayfield getting another job because the league is scarce with good quarterbacks. There's not a ton of them. There's plenty of bad quarterbacks And Ben Roethlisberger is one of them. So the the Steelers have to go in a direction that they know that they will upgrade at the quarterback position. You don't want more of the same. With a a roster like that, with Mike Tomlin being such an awesome head coach like he is, and quite frankly, despite the fact that the Steelers being such a respected and well-renowned franchise, they have three playoff wins in the last decade. And those three playoff wins have come against two backup quarterbacks and Alex Smith. And they haven't won a playoff game in six years. So, I, I, five years. So, I, I have a hard time believing that Mike Tomlin's trying to rest on his laurels. He's still, a, he's only, what, 49, 50 years old? Not even 50 years old yet. Yeah. So, he's got a long time to go. And he's trying to add to that record, that, that playoff record, and trying to get a couple more titles. He's going to have to get a quarterback that can make a difference. As Trevor just broke down with all these young emerging quarterbacks in the AFC side alone, the Steelers, the only way they have a chance, and I mean a chance, of contending in the in the playoffs for the next five to ten years, is if they get a quarterback that can match that, they can have the T.J. Watts, they can have the Minka Fitzpatrick's, they can have the 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 Haywards and all these other guys on the defensive side, and that's great. It's great to have a great defense, but if you don't have a quarterback that can make the difference and be when be was will put you over the edge, you're not winning shit, and you're seeing that with the Steelers right now. They're just wasting their time. It's so ironic that them and the Browns are in the same division because they have this same exact problem. They have a great talented roster that is held back by their quarterback. So the not to bring back the Browns here. But the Browns better be looking at that as well because there's a sheer desperation just across the way from them in their own division of another team that's going to go after Russell Wilson, go after Aaron Rodgers. And let's be honest with you, if I'm Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, I'd much rather go to the Steelers than Cleveland. So Cleveland's going to have to sweeten the pot because I think the Steelers are 100% in the mix for one of those two quarterbacks. Maybe even Deshaun Watson as well. I could
2: not see Russell Wilson in the Steelers uniform. It man. could
1: happen, man. I, I'm telling you. I,
2: I just don't think he'd. fit I don't that. think it will either. I, I don't think he's think going fit to New York, that but kind but of team. Think um, so?
1: I think he's going to the Giants.
2: Yeah, that makes sense just for his marketability and everything. As it stands, um, things could to win. Yeah, not really, but to, to if a quarterback had uh, uh, you know retread or even like an Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Re, I think Aaron Rodgers would be great for the Steelers in my mind, but because they have weapons and that's a good defense still. Um, but yeah, as far as Big Ben. I mean, yeah, I think you know he's. This is the end. Um, he, he did his farewell, t- uh, goodbye thing, and and, and and you know in Pittsburgh, which was, you know, I, res- I respect the guy. I've always liked his game. I liked his toughness and gritty. He's a throwback type of quarterback. Um, but yeah, I think the Steelers definitely got a trade. I don't think they can go draft someone and have a game changer guy because they want to keep pace. You know, and, you know I, know, I know I talked about Joe Burrow, but I mean Lamar Jackson's still here too. He's just been banged up, and they haven't been. They've been a very. He's been a very inconsistent quarterback uh, this season. Uh, so. They they they've got to be able to keep up with those other those other two quarterbacks in this league uh, or in that division. So um, I think trading for an Aaron Rodgers, um, bringing someone I don't know. There's not a lot of other available guys that are like that. I think could put them over the top. But they, they've got to definitely be in the works for even a Baker Mayfield. Even if he moves on from the Browns, I know the Browns are not going to uh, Baker's not going to want to stay in that division. Nor do I think he's going to stay in that division. But who knows, man? We've seen crazy things happen. We've seen quarterbacks go to divisional teams and you know and, and do well. Um, we've seen uh, Brett Favre go to the, the Vikings and the Jets, you know, like it's just or not the Jets, but we yeah, we've seen him go to the Vikings, which was like a a personal thing. We've seen things like that happen. There's pettiness in this league, pettiness amongst these players. But I think the Steelers best move is to find a guy who's already built, pre built. Aaron Rodgers would be the perfect prototypical quarterback to go over there and immediately succeed. But I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a little unpredictable what the guy's gonna do with it when with his choices. So, um, yeah, they're definitely gonna have to trade for somebody. In my mind, I think so. But there's some talent in this next draft too. I can definitely see them trying to uh, maybe build someone. And Mason Rudolph is definitely not the guy you want to go with this next season. But yeah, uh, they got a lot of, they got a lot of choices to make, man. And uh, but I mean, I trust the Steelers organization to make the right moves. I mean, they've found success more times than they haven't. So, and Mike Tomlin's gonna have his guys ready, nonetheless. Whoever's throwing the ball, um, but yeah, they'll they'll find someone. But Big Ben is definitely done.
3: All right. I mean, we already talked about two, two teams needing a quarterback. Let's go for a third one. Right. <laughs> All right. So what quarterback, either draft or, or trade or sign or whatever, and head coach should the Broncos go for this next season?
1: All right, so I'm going to keep this very consistent because I've said the same thing about the Jaguars and how Trevor Lawrence is going to need a head coach that matches the criteria to get themselves eventually to the championship. And I know that sounds nuts right now, but it also sounded nuts for the Eagles to win a Super Bowl just a few years ago, right? And who was the head coach of that team? Doug Peterson. I, I hate to be the guy that like is giving Doug Peterson all this praise, but with all the current candidates available, I feel that he's the best because he's the one that's the most proven. But I will throw you a fastball. I think if the Broncos are not looking at Doug Peterson as the guy, because I would I would rather have an offensive-minded head coach with a really good DC next to him, I think that's the best winning formula. You look at Andy Reid and the way he does it, and unless you get Bill Belichick, I don't think getting a defensive-minded head coach is the right way to go. You look at Sean Payton, guys like that, usually have... Have a lot of success with guys like that with a good D.C. like Dennis Allen in, in New Orleans. Um, if I'm the Broncos, I'm either looking at Doug Peterson or I'm looking at Jim Harbaugh because I think Jim Harbaugh's coming back to the NFL. Mm. All this stuff, like this, well, yeah, he shot rumored. all this stuff down all these other years previous when other teams like had you know Black Mondays and guys were getting fired and Jim Harbaugh's name always gets thrown in the mix. He would immediately shut it down. I haven't heard that from him. I'm not saying he hasn't shut it down. I haven't heard it, though. So I think the Raiders are looking at Jim Harbaugh. I think the Broncos should be because just like I was talking about with the quarterback situation with the Steelers and Browns and how they need to be competitive with each other, the Broncos and Raiders need to be competitive with Jim Harbaugh because I think wherever Jim Harbaugh goes, he's going to turn that franchise around. That's what he does. I mean, we we get critical with him at Michigan because they haven't won any national championships, but do you guys remember Michigan before they got Jim Harbaugh? They were a laughing stock. They were winning five, six games a year. He turns that franchise around, that that organization and that school around immediately. They're winning 10 games a year and winning bowl games. So, I think Jim Harbaugh, if he goes to the Raiders, that team's going to turn around. If he goes to the Broncos with that team already as good as it is, gets himself a quarterback, that team's a contender. So, if I'm one of these two teams, those are the two guys I'm looking for. The reason I'm big on Doug Peterson is because, again, of all the remaining candidates that are out there, they're going to get jobs. He's the only one with the Super Bowl. He's the only one that's done what he's done. So, I'm, I'm going to say that, that those are the two guys that Broncos definitely need to be looking for when it comes to quarterback. They need to be in the mix again for another big time guy. The the unfortunate side is, man, for some reason the Broncos since Peyton Manning have not been able to attract quarterbacks. And I'm talking heavy hitting quarterbacks. You would think they would be able to because Peyton had success there and Peyton is such a lovable guy that knows all these guys. You would think that one of these guys would want to go there. The biggest reason why none of these guys are going there is because look at the AFC West as it's currently constructed. The worst quarterback right now of the other three teams is Derek Carr who's in top five in yards and completions and 20-yard completion. I think he leads the league in 20-yard completions. And he did the majority of that without Darren Waller. So as much as we like to criticize Darren Carr, and trust me I do, he's had a very good season. He has been balling. To his own credit. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson would sign up to come into play against Patrick Mahomes twice a year, Justin Herbert twice a year, and Derek Carr twice a year. I just don't see that happening, man. So I, I, think the Broncos are shit out of luck, and I think that that's where you're looking at. But I, I, do think they can snag one of those, one of those head coaches, and I think that they ultimately will.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, uh, look, I feel like we're talking about this every year with the, with the Broncos. What, you know, uh, whether it's quarterback or coach or whatever. I mean, it's been a revolving door since Peyton left the building. Um, but I mean, the fact they attracted a, a Peyton Manning and got him over there too at that at that point point of his career, I do think that it, um, Colorado's just an attractive place. Um, and Denver's a great fan base to play for, and they've had success in the past and recently with Peyton Manning. So they do find ways to find success and put teams together um, and have a winning culture. Um, they are starved for that right now, and they are in the, the one of the worst case scenarios with the way this division is set up, like you alluded to, with the quarterbacks, the talent, the quarterbacks we have here um, in this division. So they got a lot of work to do. I, mean, I think that is a ready now roster, though. I do believe that that defense is legit. So it would it is an attractive place for a quarterback, especially towards the end of his years. I do think that Aaron Rodgers would be a great. It would be great for him, even whether or not you think he, the the competition is stiff, which it absolutely is. Um, but if you just blindly look at rosters and and, and opportunities to win, um, it is a good spot for a quarterback. Um, to to you know, obviously the divisional games against Patrick Mahomes and Herbert and Derek Carr will be tough. But I am confident enough If Aaron Rodgers came to this division, that the division is up for grabs. I 100% believe that. Aaron Rodgers, in my mind, the greatest quarterback I've ever watched. So um, I think that is a possibility. But I don't think Aaron – who knows what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. I mean, this, we're talking – I know, I highly doubt he goes there. Um, I, I, I'm feeling like if they win the Super Bowl this year, I think Aaron Rodgers might just retire. So uh, that will just get this conversation out of the way. If there's other guys that could, could land in Denver um, – I don't trust them to make the right decision, though. Right now, I think they they they, they struck gold when they talked to Peyton Manning into going over there. Um, but I mean, listen, man, that is a, like I said. That, all in all, that is a great spot to go. It's a great fan uh, great home field advantage when Pete when you know playing there. Um, offensive weapons off the ass, defensive players all over, young defensive players that are driven to win. It's just a tough division. You know, you have to accept that whoever goes there just has to accept that they're going to be playing Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. Um, you know Two times a year So um, Yeah I mean it's, You gotta accept that But I, I think it is a good spot To go in man Regardless of the division I think it's a good spot A good roster um, They just need to find a coach That's the That's the most hindering thing If Fangio's out of the picture I think he's already been reported He's gonna be out of the yeah, picture No after he, this. he
3: got fired this morning
2: Oh he is gone Yeah So okay.
3: Fangio yeah, yeah he got
1: fired Okay, okay. Yeah.
2: So he's gone officially So <laughs> it's a coachless team right now Which is yeah. cool That's not very attractive To a quarterback But if they find Say they go get a Caldwell mm-hmm. Or a hardball That's immediately an, uh, Maybe the most attractive location for a quarterback to land this offseason um so it's I'm, hard I'm, as, as a it, Chiefs
1: fan i'm interested to see what they do it's just hard for me to agree to agree though not not to make this longer than it should be guys because i know we got our guy shaggy coming up in a couple minutes but i mean think about it like this guys the browns and and, and the steelers to me are more attractive locations because of the fact of the division hmm. that we talk about yes joe burrow is emerging but lamar jackson as great as he has been is very limited so if you're looking at it okay Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, what we're looking at is the biggest opposition as opposed to three... Proven commodities at the NFL level A quarterback in one division, like I have to imagine a guy like Aaron Rodgers at his age, Russell Wilson, who's now in his mid 30s, is going to want to go to a place where agree, they feel more yeah. comfortable. I will winning. agree.
2: That the Steelers might be the best spot, but there's no way I'm agreeing that that someone's going to choose the the Browns over the Broncos.
1: No How many people? No one the, wants to go play in people, Cleveland. How many you know? people with Baker Mefield coming into this season pick them to get to the AFC okay, Championship but, okay, Super Bowl? Okay, I think you guys had the Browns in the AFC okay, Championship. I'm, I'm uh, just talking about a tr- like, attractive you
2: know? places for place. To, if you if you're a quarterback in this league, you have a, you choose between the Browns went to Cleveland. How many times has Cleveland ever gotten an a my, my uh free agent My counter
1: to that is two things. One, in the NFL we all know that markets don't really matter because if that was the case, the New York Giants would be great every single year because yeah. everyone would want to go there, right? And two... I'm not the, just talking about... Or no, I know, no, no, no. I know, but, or, the, or the Jets or even the, the Chargers, for Christ's sake. They've been in gr- premier locations for yeah, the last yeah, forever, right. right? So, But here's the other thing. You're talking about Cleveland as if it's a small market. What's Green Bay? It's an even smaller market, and Aaron Rodgers has thrived there. I think. Yeah. I think Aaron Rodgers' has a history
2: of winning, though. I get it. I get, it. I get
1: it. But here's yeah. my thing. Here's my thing. There's something to that, though, for Aaron Rodgers' ego that he can be the guy that gets them out of the muck and mire. <laughs> He's second not going to want to take that on. Second on of all, okay, but you just said yourself you'd feel comfortable coming to the AFC West knowing all those quarterbacks are there. Well, I mean, there's. A, I'm saying. Colorado, I feel like,
2: makes much more sense for him. Okay. That's a chill. My point you get though, smoked is Aaron. weed. Aaron Rodgers that fits Aaron <laughs> well, Rodgers. My point,
1: though, you, you yeah. get what I'm saying, though, because like, Aaron has thrived as the big fish in a small pond, right? He likes that. I think he likes being that guy where he's like the big jock in a small school. I think he likes that idea. If he goes to Cleveland, that's 100% happening again. And he can say he gets a just as good of a roster in my opinion. That roster's damn good. I think mean, Kevin Stefanski is just as good of a head coach as Matt LaFleur. So I think that you get himself basically the Packers of the AFC if he goes to the Browns.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't see either one of these happening. I think Aaron, if anything, Aaron Rodgers retires or stays a Packer. That's I don't right. think he retires. Right. I think there's
1: zero percent. If I he retires. wins the Super Bowl, I think he retires. He, yeah, I do. One hundred percent. I think he's I, like,
2: fuck it, I'm done. I, I'm done. I, see all the controversy between him and the NFL, him and the rumors about him boycotting the, the Super Bowl. It's just hard is, for me to. Imagine. I think he, he's bullshit. It's just but, hard
1: for me to believe he would like walk away as the MVP. to win MVP. Hey, but dude,
2: how Aaron Rodgers would that be?
1: I don't just know. I've right never seen him retire.
2: I guess I'll go this way. You know, like it's just so cool. Just end out on top, like. That's super <laughs> airbrush, but yeah, that's a whole other topic. We'll have time to talk about that. Yeah.
1: But. All right, man. I'm
3: just gonna throw one more last question, in, and then we can go to yeah, right. absolutely and Shane. Is Lamelo Ball officially a superstar player in the NBA? No,
1: no, superstar talent maybe. He's not done enough as a player to, for me to put him in a superstar caliber. But you're, you're talking, see that that word I think gets thrown on way too way too loosely. There there are only a few superstar players in this league. You're talking about LeBron James, You're talking about Giannis, KD, Steph Curry and then you throw a couple more names in there. Outside of those guys, to me superstars are guys that I can, I can build a team around to win a title. Those are the only names that I can, I can really definitively name right now. Are there superstar talents? Guys that have the superstar capability? Yes, LaMelo is one of those guys. He has that type of talent. Can I say that he's in the same echelon as any of those guys that is named? Fuck no. That is not going to happen this year. Maybe because he's so damn young. He's, what, 20 years old? I can see him legitimately. John Morant's at that place. John Morant is climbing that ladder, becoming a superstar player in this league. Zion Williamson has the talent, but is he going to be that guy? There's a lot of questions. I'm not putting LaMelo in the superstar category yet.
2: No, he's not a superstar. Um, No. He shares the ball way too much on that team, too. There's not really a guy. He's kind of the guy on that team, Um, but he's not really taking that, like, alpha... Kind of role yet. He and he, I love. I think he's got the skill set to be an af- absolute um, uh, elite player in this league. He's still a kid, man. This guy. I mean, I'm not gonna give him that yet. I'm not gonna crown. He hasn't earned that yet, quite frankly. Uh, I. But I mean, I've been on him since day one. I said even coming into the draft, he's the best ball brother. Which I'll give. I'll give Lonzo his, his flowers. Lonzo has absolutely balled out this year. He's become one of the. He's changed his shot to become one of the best three point shooters in this league. So I gotta give him that credit. I still think Lamelo is the better player. Um, uh, But you know, I, He's got the skill set He's got to work on his defense a little more He's kind of a, an asset on defense Or a liability on def- defense So um, he's got the offensive skill set And the, the electric kind of gameplay To his to his, his skill set to be that But there's just so many other guys above him right now That I'm not willing to put him in that elite category But he's definitely he's on his way Give him a few more years He might lock himself into a top five player for sure I think he's got that ability Georgia, Alabama Georgia, I picked him before the year Alabama Ooh, all yeah. right, well, tough
1: end, but yeah, yeah. Is our, okay, well, uh, we are man, it's right on the dots. So we're doing good today. We're a punctu- We're a punctual bunch around here. Punctual podcast—that should be our name. So, without further ado, this is a guy that I call the Oracle. Our guy Clay Winder calls him the Oracle. He is an OG Chiefs fan. He was a tick, a season ticket holder. I believe from 1991 to 2011 But he's always finding himself at Arrowhead Stadium You can't miss him because he's like seven foot six with a humongous beard and a heart of gold Let's give it up for our guy from the Shaggy Shane show Shaggy Shane Williams
2: What's going on big guy?
0: How's it going guys?
1: How's it good going, buddy? Man?
0: Going How, on, how's man? the
1: morning going? You had your uh, morning coffee to go, ready to ready to get this thing kicked off, buddy.
0: Cause I'm easy, <laughs> I'm easy like Sunday morning, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, after freaking last night, I didn't get to sleep till about two thirty in the morning because that was a big freaking game, big win to be proud of. You know, guys, there's a lot of times in the with the Chiefs era in the nineteen eighties where they would be eliminated and uh the chiefs if you look back through history in 1987 1984 and 1981 and 80 games late in the season where the chiefs were just playing for pride the chiefs even though they weren't a good team they knocked off some teams and uh changed some seedings in some seasons throughout the throughout the years and throughout history so I was I I wasn't expecting the Broncos to lie down regardless of how in turmoil their coaching staff is or how bad of a season Drew Locke was playing I was expecting that battle that we saw yesterday and Melvin Ingram Melvin Ingram made the play and Nick Bolton took it to the house 85 yards that took guts guys that took want to that took passion and that took desire because that defense was done. You saw it when Harrison Bucker made that fifty-one-yard uh, field goal with fourteen minutes and forty-five seconds left in the game. The Broncos had a slow, methodical seven-minute drive, doing whatever they want. And the Chiefs, the Chiefs' defense had their hands on their hips. They were had their heads back, and you could tell they were defeated. And quite frankly, to be honest, I was yelling at the TV before that play. I said, you guys are blowing the seed. You guys are going to be a number four seed, and you're going to face the Patriots. You'll win, but then you're going to have to go to Tennessee, Buffalo, Cincinnati, or wherever. But throughout the darkest freaking time of the game, with our backs against the wall, the only player that made the play that had the freaking most want to and the most desire was the guy that Brett Veach traded a sixth-round draft pick to get from Pittsburgh, Melvin Ingram and Nick Bolton, thank God he was on the field, because I think if any other linebacker would have picked it up, he probably would have fell down uh, because uh, Drew Locke had his hands on him, and he was kind of mashed in between Melvin Ingram and Drew Locke, so he kept his balance, kept on the field, took it to the house. Big play. Big freaking play, because the freaking Broncos weren't done, man. The Broncos weren't done. They're like, okay, we're down seven after a freaking heartbreaking play. They went down the field, faced third and nine at the Chiefs 14 ready to tie it up Nick Bolton Shot the gap Freaking gotten Drew Locke's face enough to remember his pass was thrown Incomplete Fourth and nine I would have went four if I was Denver They kicked a field goal thinking they were going to stop the Chiefs ah, It didn't happen So the Chiefs Hats off to freaking Melvin Ingram Hats off to Brett Beach for making that deal I'm going to keep pounding that drum throughout the playoffs Because Melvin Ingram will Be the deciding factor you well, that's, think, a, that's actually what I want to start me, with you, Let me you finish, a let I'm, I'm me finish on. here a second. Yeah, you're, you're yeah, good. You're good. Yeah. Come on, just... Shaggy. Why are you freaking beating the drum for Melvin Ingram? I don't see nothing in the stats. What Melvin Ingram has done was he freaking has made it possible for Frank Clark to have a good season. He's made it possible for Jerron Reed to freaking do something because before Melvin Ingram came here, he wasn't doing anything. And he, more importantly, he made it possible to move Chris Jones back inside. That addition was huge. Hats off to Brett Veach. Go ahead. Yeah. sorry.
1: We 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 definitely gave a uh, Brett a lot of credit early this uh, during the show, and I actually brought that out on Twitter yesterday or last night. The fact that you talk about this offseason alone with Brett Veach having all the questions he had in the draft, uh, you know, people are losing their confidence in him. And then he goes in here and has six home runs this last offseason in both free agency, the draft, and in trades. It just, it's, it's nothing short of incredible. But I, I want to start there with you, uh, Shane. When it comes to this team as currently constructed, in this Broncos game you saw that when the game is called evenly <laughs> – the Chiefs end up winning. It was gritty. It was ugly. You saw the Chiefs have some deficiencies. It looked like they were lying down at times on the defensive side. They made key plays. Patrick Mahomes was incredible on his feet. He made incredible throws in the game. McCole Hardman has a career game. But I, I kind of want to take him back another week because I know people have been telling me to move on and move on. But when it comes to the playoffs and with the Chiefs currently constructed as they are, <clears throat> there is not a team in the AFC playoff picture that scares me. I think the Chiefs will beat everybody that comes in their way If they are officiated evenly or at least fairly where it's close between the two teams and neither one is getting completely screwed over by bad calls. That's why I want to bring up the Bengals game from last week. Okay. Do you fear... Something like that happening again, where Chiefs just can't get off the field on the defense because these horrific penalties happen. Because I think the only way the Chiefs don't get back to the Super Bowl for a third consecutive year is if they have a game like that where they just get absolutely jobbed by bad officiating. Is that something you fear? And is that the only way you see the Chiefs not making the Super Bowl?
0: I think you always want to. You always you fear everything, man. You fear the weather. You fear uh, the refs. You fear the red pants. You fear uh, a lot. And I think going back to that Bengals game, you I, I disagree with you. First off, the Texans are going for it. Fourth and one at their own 39. Let's see what happens. I'll see if they're going to try to draw them off. They're going for it. Hand off. They got the first down. Wow. Yeah. I told myself What's I going? wouldn't be emotionally invested in that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing <laughs> wrong with it. Oh, we're all Texans fans. The Texans have got the ball first and ten at their own forty three now because they went for it on fourth and one at their own thirty nine. They're still they're not even across the fifty yet, but they got the first down. Um, but to specifically about the Bengals, that game to me came down to third and twenty seven. It did. It came down to third and twenty seven, and Spagnola's got balls. He put his balls on the line, and it came up short. I know you said. I know that you said Charvarius Ward had his hands on the ball, but I would have liked a, uh, I would have liked an extra safety back there. I would have went prevent basically and uh, had the chiefs, you know, give up maybe 15 yards and it would have been fourth and 12. And if they would have went for their fourth and 12, but the only, the, the specifically to your referee question, Lance, the only two calls that I I'm going to nitpick on are the third and three, the very first play of the fourth quarter where uh, Burrow passed the ball and it was was, a pass interference on Sneed, which it wasn't. Even Tony Romo and Jim Nance even said, hey, you know, that's kind of ticky-tack there. That's kind of ticky-tack there. Uh, I wouldn't have called that play. That kept that drive alive because you got to think, if it was fourth and three with the first play of the fourth quarter uh, with the Chiefs up, they they wouldn't have um, went for it since they were down at their own 21-yard line. But it sucks. You got to be better than the refs, man. I've 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 seen it my entire life watching football. It sucks getting bogus calls. Um, I'll I'll say this: if the third and twenty-seven call was a pass interference, if it was broken up, I would have probably been more adamant. But I think the Chiefs got to take advantage of a lot of those situations and be better than the refs. I don't know if you saw
1: my tweet from last night when it came to. My belief of what John Elway was growing up a kid in the 90s, I saw a lot of John Elway's career. I didn't see the beginning of it, but I saw the majority of it. And growing up, I always thought John Elway just owned the Chiefs. But uh, according to my research, he won 17-12 against the the Chiefs, and that's pretty good. But he only completed 56% of his passes, 228 yards per game, 30 total touchdowns, 35 interceptions with a 74 quarterback rating. And then I look at Patrick Mahomes against the Broncos. He's 9-0. 65 completion percentage, 253 yards per game, 14 total touchdowns, four interceptions with a 97 quarterback rating. To me, that translate that translates to me that Mahomes is what Elway thought he was. Now, I'm trying to envision what it would be like to be a Broncos fan in this era because you grew up winning season after winning season. They won Super Bowls. There was a lot of success. And then Mahomes comes into town... And now you can't even beat him once. To me, I think this is what a true tyrant looks like. And I just, even with decisions the Broncos have this offseason, now they've officially fired Vic Fangio, I just don't know if they can put together a team that is going to really rival the Chiefs for the upcoming years. Because although they are talented, I, I just have a hard time believing that Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson is going to choose... The broncos knowing that you have patrick mahomes justin herbert twice a year Derek carr who's the worst quarterback of this division who's been good all season long that you're going to choose to walk into this type of division when there are other options out there where you can literally walk into a division championship otherwise what are your thoughts about this do you do you think that patrick mahomes alone let alone justin herbert and Derek carr also being this division is going to scare potential free agent quarterbacks and other free agents as a whole away from the afc west
0: um, let me answer that question, but first, breaking down what you talked about with John Elway's stats, um, and I will answer that question, Lance. What John Elway did, like, there'd be games where maybe the stats didn't add up to what it compares to Patrick's, and of course, I like Patrick's future a lot brighter than Elway's. During those moments, if a game was bad, if it meant John Elway had to make some plays, even if the game was like 9-6 to or 10-7 to and the game was ugly, he would he lived up to those moments. And that's what I got to say about... Joe Montana, whether the game has changed much since 2000 to what Joe Montana was in the 80s and 90s. These quarterbacks delivered at moments, and those moments are the reason why these cats are in the Hall of Fame, and these moments are why players are great. We, And specifically to moments as Chiefs fans, we hate on freaking Sammy Watkins because he didn't play a lot. But during the moments when we needed him in the playoffs, he played. Those moments, Joe Montana and John Elway stepped up, even though their stats don't compare in the grand scheme of where the football uh, analogy is or where stats statistically uh, quarterbacks are now. Those quarterbacks in the 80s and 90s had moments to where they made the difference regardless of where the stat line uh, fell. Specifically to Denver moving forward, I think depends what coach you get in there. If they get Eric Enemy or if they get Mike Kafka, to be their head coach, and they say, by golly, we're going to show that we're uh, part of the Andy Reid tree, or if they get Matt Nagy, if Nagy's fired in Chicago, if they get somebody, it could be and the guys. Mike. Let's remember, uh, before Bruce Arians took the job in Tampa Bay, Eric Biennium had two interviews with the Buccaneers before Bruce Arians came out of retirement, and I know he didn't get the job last year because the Giants, or two years ago because the Giants and Panthers took a bunch of freaking nobodies, um, and I know you like rules, so no disrespect. But uh, I think, long story short, if Eric Bieniemy goes to Denver and uh, becomes their head coach, they 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 become a different team. They become a different team because of Eric Bieniemy, because the Andy Reid tree, because they could think well, Andy Eric Bieniemy can come into Denver and he can work something with Drew Lock. Maybe bring in another quarterback to compete with him. So uh, we can uh, change the culture in Denver, but I hope it doesn't happen. I hope they freaking get – hope the Broncos get some dumb scrub freaking coach that doesn't know how to develop a quarterback. I mean, we use that to our freaking – we use that to our freaking positivity, man. Drew Locke, he never really got a chance. Let's be freaking real, man. Fangio didn't want him. He was a dumb coach. But long story short, if Eric Bieniemy goes to Denver, then we have to respect that and freaking keep our eyes open.
1: When it comes to the AFC playoff picture, and obviously as we're doing this very show, we're live streaming this, and I know a lot of people are going to podcast this and hear the results while this is happening. I know that there is a there's a belief that the Chargers are the best matchup for the Chiefs in the playoffs, and I know that you have originally predicted that the AFC the AFC championship was going to be Chiefs versus Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. Um it looks like there's a legitimate chance that the Chiefs and Chargers could face in the very first round if everything goes as everyone's assuming. I picked the Texans to beat the Titans today. I actually picked the Raiders to beat the, the Chargers on Sunday night football. I'm sticking with those predictions. I think the Raiders are going to find a way in the playoffs because I think they've been playing better football over the last month than the Chargers have been. Um, so if, in fact, though, the Chief, let's say everything just goes chalk and the Chiefs have to play wild card round, it's going to end up being the Chargers. Do you see... This being a legitimate threat for the Chiefs to lose in the first round because to me, and I'm going to say this real quick, Shane, I think there's been a lot of praise put on the Chargers prematurely. And I know that sounds crazy because every single year people are picking them to win the AFC West and they have a deep playoff push and they fail each and every year. Until Justin Herbert can show me that he can win big games, until the Chargers can show me that they can win big games, I'm not going to heap that praise on them. I think if that was the matchup in the first round, I think the Chiefs win comfortably. I know that sounds nuts, but in that, knowing what the Chiefs have been and have played the most playoff games in the NFL since 2018, I think they would go into Arrowhead and mop the floor with the Chargers. What are your thoughts if, in fact, that was the scenario that took place?
0: First off, I love you for... uh remembering my prediction show for this year and on labor day man thanks dude absolutely i appreciate that i uh said the chiefs would play the patriots in the divisional round and the chargers in the championship game but now that we have witnessed digested and uh, seen the entire season if the chiefs play the chargers they'll win if they don't turn the ball over they would have won september uh 26 at Arrowhead Stadium, mm-hmm. if they didn't turn the ball over four times, three straight on three on three drives, because they only lost by six. The Chargers should have took advantage of the Chiefs turning the ball over three straight times and beat us by more than six points. Uh, I like the Chiefs at home next week against the Chargers. Yes, I, I think that the Chiefs are the better team. The Chargers aren't playing that good a ball. You respect Justin Herbert, of course, but I think the Chiefs know, especially coming out out of their last game against Denver where they gave up too much on the ground and they gave up and they let the game winning drive against Cincinnati the week before the chiefs are going to be fired up at home. And I'm willing, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to play the chargers next, hopefully Saturday or Sunday. I don't want to play Monday, but yes, I love the chiefs against the chargers next week. And I agree with you. We should win comfortably
1: in 2018 and 2019. The chiefs had Damian Williams, who was this, Wild card player that no one really had a lot of ex- expectations to do anything big. And then he goes and has 11 touchdowns in those two playoff runs. And he was this guy that, like I said, no one was anticipating to play a big role. And he did. And then in 2020, Chad Innie has a big uh, a fourth quarter for the Chiefs when Patrick Williams goes down. Uh, you see D- Darrell Williams, guys like that, play big in big moments in the playoffs. Who do you think is going to be the 2021 player for the Chiefs in the playoffs that no one's really putting a lot of anticipation or expectation on that's going to rise in the big moments?
0: You got time? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but time for our guy Shaggy Shane. I think the fact that the Chiefs have such great depth, anything is possible. And now you may think, come on, Shaggy. That's a freaking... You cover that with a, you know what I mean? (laughs) What I'm trying to say is when Kareem Hunt was suddenly released December 1st, 2018, the Chiefs made a move off the practice squad because they needed another running back. They had Damian Williams and they had Spencer Ware, but they needed another running back since they just cut Kareem Hunt. Who did they take off the practice squad? Ah, some undrafted kid out of LSU. He's a rookie. He's his name's Daryl Williams. He's not Damian Williams. He's Daryl Williams. So now the Chiefs will have two Williamses in the backfield. Well, we don't know if he's going to be any good. We went to 2018 the playoffs. You and me, Lance, you sat here with me on my show uh, after the uh, second to last regular season game. Worried about our defense. We weren't thinking about Daryl Williams. But long story short. Daryl Williams has worked his way up. Two weeks after being brought up in the practice squad in that game, he scored on primetime against the uh, Chargers. But his rise has been steady. He's been there. The Chiefs went ahead and drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round. And Daryl Williams' play in 2018 and 19 warranted it enough to where if Damon Williams opted out in 2020, Daryl Williams could be the backup. Well, Damon Williams opted out. He's gone. Clyde Edwards-Alaire's got durability issues. Darryl Williams is a huge success story. So I think I want to continue saying even if Clyde comes back next week and is healthy, Darryl Williams will keep that progression slowly rising. He just finished, like you said at the beginning of your show, Lance, he's got 1,000 yards. Darryl Williams will continue that rise, and he will be, a free agent in March, but we'll talk. We'll talk about that in March. But I'm going to go with what we have seen this season, and Daryl Williams will be that star.
1: I like that. I hope he's healthy enough to do it. And 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 I can't go a whole Chiefs segment with my guy Shaggy Shane without bringing up Patrick Mahomes because you are the number one Mahomie. You haven't changed your Facebook profile picture in four years for that very reason. <laughs> Look, man, at this point of Patrick Mahomes' career, I'm already looking at legacy. I know he's only 26 years old, but what he's done, which is <clears throat> unprecedented, we've never seen it in the history of the NFL, someone be this great this quickly and do what he's done already. At this time, I- I'm really curious as to like what it's going to be legacy-wise that's going to get Patrick Mahomes beyond other all-time greats in the eyes of the public. Because right now, people look at him so young. He has so much more to do. Obviously, winning another Super Bowl would be big. But I'm talking about in the, in the, in the micro, this current playoff run. I asked this question on the Spoken Pod on Twitter and Facebook, and I got some mixed results here. But what, in your eyes, the number one Mahomes? What would build Patrick Mahomes' legacy quicker on the way to another Super Bowl: hosting a fourth consecutive AFC Championship, or going on the road for the first time in his career and winning an AFC Championship?
0: <laughs> I honestly. Being in the AFC Championship, I won't settle for an AFC Championship loss, even if it's at um, if it's at Tennessee, because Patrick Mahomes won't settle for an AFC Championship loss. The only AFC Championship loss Patrick Mahomes has ever lost was in overtime when he didn't see the football, and that ate at him. That ate at Patrick Mahomes enough to where he knew he was going to be back on that stage in that moment the very next year well guess what he's done it twice (laughs) Patrick Mahomes will not rest on well I tried I got to the playoffs at least I can be that as for legacy I think as long as he's the quarterback we will continue to see it it's unprecedented it really is Lance you know it as well as I do you see those stats before I see them because I follow you on Twitter. And it isn't freaking – it. and I just turned 52 in, in November, so we have never seen this, not only with the Chiefs, of course not, but throughout history. He just turned 26, and he just continues to win. And I feel – honestly, dude, hear me out here. I feel a lot of freaking referees think – that the game is too easy for the Chiefs and they're going to score, so they're biased against us. I don't think there's a conspiracy against us. I think the refs in so the Cincinnati game think I better throw a flag here just to keep the game close because Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are about to blow this game open. Nobody's going to watch it. They think, they think we got to do something. I don't think they get together before the game. It's okay when the Bengals are on third and six if they throw this pass, the same play pass. You're going to flag. You know, I just think they're doing their job and they think, we have to keep this game close. I'm not going to be really serious in question. I'm just going to throw this flag because if we play by honesty, Patrick Mahomes is going to blow the Bengals out. And that's why what would happen if they would have been honest. But I hate to say that because to the people that outside of chiefs kingdom think that, well, you're just being, you're just being a poor sport. You're just, you're just, you're, you're not seeing things how we see things. But honestly, Patrick Mahomes' legacy will continue to grow, and I honestly feel it will will be back in the AFC Championship game. I'm, I want to go to Tennessee and kick their ass. <laughs> I want to go in Tennessee and kick their ass. Davis Mills is playing now. The each team's punted. The Texans have punted twice. Davis Mills is doesn't look good. He doesn't look very accurate. He just punted to the Titans. So this is probably going to be a boring nineteen to fourteen game or something. But. Um, Patrick Mahomes' legacy is, is something to cherish because we knew we knew when we sat in my basement for the mock draft that when it was time to draft a quarterback, we knew with his skill set what he could do with Andy Reid's offense, and the sky was the limit. We're riding that high, brother. Patrick Mahomes. Is the man.
1: Since 2018, the Chiefs have won the most regular season games and the most playoff games. Patrick Mahomes has done something that no other quarterback in that span has done either. Only 32 times in NFL history has a quarterback thrown for at least 37 touchdowns in a single season. Patrick Mahomes has done that three times in only four years. Only 28 times in NFL history has a quarterback thrown for at least 4,800 yards in a single season. Patrick Mahomes has already done that twice in four years. So my question in this is, do you believe, and I, and maybe this doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's a talking point. Do you believe that the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are getting enough respect? Because we're seeing Joe Burrow and the Bengals getting blown up. Everyone's praising them. Everyone's already counting the rings practically. Justin Herbert's getting all these all this praise. Uh, co- people are calling him the AFC West best quarterback at points at this time of the year. Even Mac Jones, who had three pass attempts and a win, is getting praised because he plays for the Patriots. Do you think that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are getting enough respect for what they've been able to do
0: over these last four years. No. <laughs> I don't because Patrick Mahomes is so good. And let me it's kinda like it's I haven't watched the NBA since my Kings left in nineteen eighty five when I was a freshman in high school. It's kinda like the guys that win all the time that are too big. Michael Jordan and LeBron James, and I'm not going to bring up that debate, but once you see these guys play at this championship level, you cannot let them be bigger than the game. So they cannot, they know that they need to sell more to uh, take advantage of the game. Besides Patrick Mahomes, they need to, they need to, they need to sell Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow and hell, even Derek Carr. But I think Patrick Mahomes is so much better than so many other quarterbacks. That um, they they need to tear him down to uh, to to bring somebody else to the table to uh, to make it fair. It's it's a good place to be. I would <laughs> rather have Patrick Mahomes and have everybody else try to uh, bring us back. It sucks, but I would rather be on this side <clears throat> than somebody than trying to chase Patrick Mahomes. Does that answer your question bro? absolutely
1: that's a great answer i, I appreciate that answer and it's and just patrick it's it's
2: patrick mahomes fatigue and shiny new toy syndrome that's all it really yes. is man right i agree yeah.
1: and they're looking for that rival they're trying to force a rivalry on him because there hasn't been one to this point yeah greatness yeah.
2: greatness gets boring after a while <laughs> for those outside right. of us for sure right
0: and, and and i hated the freaking bills but they went to four straight super bowls they lost them all but they yeah. were that damn good in the early 1990s yes and uh, they were had they had to be better than the refs. They had to be better than anybody trying to knock them off in the AFC. Granted, they went to the freaking Super Bowl and lost. That was that has to be embarrassing. <laughs> but well, Patrick Mahomes has brought us that Super Bowl, and so was Andy Reid. And that's something to cherish, and that's something to uh, that's something to uh, be happy about. Really is no doubt.
1: Look, I, I believe the Chiefs are going to get to the third straight Super Bowl. I'm very confident in that. I think if everything, if the officiating stays the hell out of the way, I think if, the, if it's even keel, and if they're bad, they're bad on both sides, I don't see a scenario in which the Chiefs do not get back to another Super Bowl. I think they're just too great. I think Patrick Mahomes has clicked. I think their offense has clicked. I think they're healthy enough. I think they'll be healthy enough, and I think they're going to get the job done. Shane, in, in in this scenario that we don't have you on the show before the Super Bowl, which I'm hoping we will have you back on before then, who you think is the most likely scenario that the Chiefs face in the Super Bowl this year?
0: Oh man, I said the Falcons. not Falcons. I said the Cardinals uh, when I was on with you last month, and uh, they kind of fell off. But they had a big win last week against Dallas. They're sneaky good. I don't know. I don't know. But they're also sneaky bad. <laughs> but. I would. I think it's going to probably be Green Bay, just because they're at home, and I don't know how many more home playoff losses Aaron Rodgers can have. I. I, I mean, they lost to the Giants ten years ago, and then they lost last year to the to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have my respect, but I I I think age will eventually catch up with Tom Brady. Uh, the Titans are running a flea flicker and uh going to throw back and it's incomplete. This is a pretty, <laughs> we're getting some, we get some Kevin Harlan from Shaggy right third now. <laughs> for the I'm Titans calling both games at the, at the third, it's third and six Titans at the Texas 42 <laughs> yard line. But specifically I'll, I'll go with the Packers, even though Aaron Rodgers has got bad body language. Aaron Rodgers deserves credit and he probably will be the MVP. But have you ever noticed when his wide receivers don't run a right route or drop the ball or something? He's just pouting. He's just got bad body language. You
1: gotta he, be careful. He, gotta be careful, Shane. Trevor is, is Aaron Rodgers' roadie over here, so you gotta be careful. Stop. I know.
0: But <laughs> I, I, I know when Patrick Mahomes has a receiver that uh drops the ball, Patrick Mahomes will go like that, like run like this. But you'll you'll see Patrick Mahomes going to the sidelines and pop him up when the Chiefs were losing in the playoffs in 2019 and Patrick was going, come on, come on, come on. We can do this. We can do this. Have we ever seen Aaron Rodgers do that? Ever. Have we ever seen Aaron Rodgers go up to the sideline? Come on. Come on, you guys. Keep your head up. We're going to be fine. We can shake this off. Never. You see freaking Aaron Rodgers sitting on the bench with his hands in his pocket, looking down, sulking. Just, oh, I'm so disappointed. (laughs) Even Brett Favre, who played before him, man. Brett Favre before him. He lit a fire into the team, but he was—he didn't carry himself with such bad body language. If Aaron Rodgers wasn't such a dick, I'd be more of a fan because I respect his numbers, man. But he has to go to the play, Super Bowl this year. This is more important for Aaron Rodgers. We can sit here and dissect Patrick Mahomes' legacy all we want, but he just took Patrick Mahomes' is turn 26 in September. Aaron Rodgers is what, 39? 38, yeah. yeah. 38? He has to. He has to go to the Super Bowl this year just for his own legacy because he's only won one Super Bowl, the same as Patrick Mahomes, who we know is going to wear win more than one. Yeah, this year. Yes. And so – Man, Shane, I, I, do the, I do the same thing with
1: Darren Smith. I'm going to do the same thing with you because you're, you're one of my best friends and you're a guy that I respect greatly and I always love hearing you break things down and you always have great post games and great shows as a whole. But as I always do, I give you the platform to finish off your segment, man. Whatever it is
0: you want to put out there, go ahead and put it out there. The floor is yours. The 2021 season began at Arrowhead Stadium between the Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. The Chiefs moved Chris Jones to defensive end. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and the Cleveland Browns offense did whatever they wanted. The Chiefs defense and really gave up a lot of yards. The Chiefs came back and won that game because of Patrick Mahomes' greatness. But we knew there's something wrong with this defense. The defense continued to struggle. Lamar Jackson in week two, and I'm not going to do every game. This will be quick. And <laughs> in the in the week two the Chiefs' defense continued to struggle. Granted, it came down to a fumble. Week three, the Chiefs turned the ball over four times. But you could see the defense continued to struggle. Lance, you and me were at the uh, Buffalo Bills game. The Bills were the better team because the Chiefs' defense struggled. Before the Bills game, the Chiefs played the Washington football team and the Eagles. The Chiefs won that game, but we saw a lot of cracks on defense. We, and it only got worse, to where the Chiefs stood at three and four. The Chiefs stood at three and four. In the first time in my life, it looked like the Chiefs' defense didn't even practice. Mm-hmm. It looked like the first two months of the season, the Chiefs didn't even practice on defense. They looked out of place, they looked misguided. And, you, and people might say, well, the Chiefs also looked bad in 2018 under Bob Sutton and in 2019 under Spagnola. In 2018, Sutton didn't put his players in position to succeed and didn't really have the players. In 2019, the Chiefs were building their defense. There was no excuse from September 12th when the season began to where the Chiefs stood on October 24th at 3-4 for that defense to be playing so bad. The Chiefs started November 1st with a win over the New York Giants. And I'm going to keep beating this freaking horse. I'm going to keep, I'll stand on this hill the very next day at 4-4, four and four, the Chiefs traded for Melvin Ingram. Not only what that did for that defense, that was sucking. That defense was awful. It was just, it was, the leaders weren't leading, and the players were playing bad. What Brett Veach did to make that trade for Melvin Ingram, they faced for not only him, but the season. 'Cause I don't think the Chiefs regardless of Patch Mahomes' greatness, I don't think the Chiefs are sitting here at twelve and five, gonna be a two seed. It's gonna be a miracle, dude. Davis Mills looks terrible. But if if the, the Chiefs would not be sitting here if they don't make that trade for Brett for Melvin Ingram, they don't make the playoffs, no way, because Chris Jones doesn't go back to defensive tackle, Frank Clark doesn't get a freaking uh, fire up his ass and these guys play great. We're not sitting here without Melvin Ingram. And through that whole entire 8 game winning streak, the Chiefs when they went on the road took off their red pants and put on white <laughs> pants. Dude, the, the, this is my this this is freaking paramount, dudes. The Chiefs were the worst team on the road in NFL history from 1974 to 1988 and they wore predominantly white shirts and red pants Marty Schottenheimer came here in 1989 the first thing he did was got rid of the red pa- red road pants so we didn't see we did not see the Chiefs wearing red pants under Marty Schottenheimer the 1990s are pretty damn good mm-hmm. now people would say oh it's Shaggy the Chiefs red pants white pants blue pants orange pants pink pants rainbow pants don't make a difference it's the players on the field. But what the guys say in the office, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a lot of stitious. <laughs> you cannot freaking continue to wear the red pants. Let me say this first. The Chiefs went three years without wearing the red pants. The Chiefs wore white and white on the road when the other team wore their darker colors. And only one start, Patrick Mahomes played, wearing white on white. And that was 2018 against the Rams. He put up 51 points five touchdowns and 478 yards passing and only his first time ever wearing white and white. Well, guess what? This defense was sucking this year. This defense was freaking awful, man. They added Melvin Ingram. They won against the Giants. They started a little winning streak. So when they went on the road and wore white shirts and white pants, they won all the games during that eight game stretch. And what is Patrick Mahomes' stats, Lance? I love you. Because you got you, know, you got stats running out your ass, and they're freaking all true. Patrick Mahomes in three starts wearing white shirts and white pants on the road, and only three starts in his four-year starting career in Kansas City, and only three starts has passed for fourteen touchdowns, one thousand two hundred and ninety-four yards in only three games three games wearing white shirt and white pants he's passed for one thousand two hundred and ninety-four yards and 14 touchdowns like i said i'm not superstitious but i'm a lot of stitches <laughs> there's something that needs to be recognized as to why patrick mahomes plays so great on the road wearing white on white And something that Marty shot. I came here in 1989 and didn't freaking have the red pants for 11 years that were so great. You want to talk conspiracy in the Bengals on your opening? I'm going to freaking die on this hill for the Chiefs to wear white on white on the road. Because quite frankly, when the Chiefs were freaking sucking yesterday, I sat there and thought, damn, (laughs) I'm going to have to do a freaking other post game about the Chiefs losing in their red pants. But who broke the curse? of the Red Pants. The same guy who changed the defensive culture November second oh, and yeah, turned Melvin. this whole season around. Because Red Pants or not, Melvin Ingram's addition to the team to go along with their white on white on the road and those big wins and Patrick Mahomes mad stats. If we don't change the defense this season, then you know what? Um if Melvin Ingram isn't added to the team, I know for a fact we're not going to the playoffs.
1: It's hard to disagree with you right there, Shane, and I think that you make a very compelling case that they should wear the white pants every single game, even though they did exercise the demons last night. I I, I tend to go with what Shane says and Clay says because they're usually a lot more right than I am, but nevertheless, you I, for your sake, Shane, for your own blood pressure, I hope that they wear the white pants if they have to in a game, in order to maintain some sort of semblance and make sure that they keep you at a good place as they continue to win and get maybe their third overall Super Bowl in
0: franchise history. That is our wait, guy. Wait, wait, wait. Sha- wait, no, wait yeah, go go, go, go Lance, ahead, go ahead. Lance, yeah, hold on. Nice. Uh, I want you guys to all answer me this question. Eddie, Trevor, yes. and Lance, I want you to all answer me this question. What do those three stats of those games mean? Do those does that sound good in a three game stretch where Patch Mahomes passed for 1294 yards and 14 touchdowns. Go Eddie.
3: Yes, it sounds great.
0: Yeah, I don't, in in
2: comparison to the Red Pants or the Red Tops or whatever combination compared to those numbers, I don't I don't really know what they would they would look like, but yes,
1: I am in 100% agreement with you that those numbers sound great to me. I, I think what they do for me, Shane, is they make me curious as to what his numbers would be if he wore Zubaz, Zubaz pants. Mm. You know, maybe if he wore Zubaz, it would have been yeah. like twenty touchdowns. So maybe they go with Zubaz next year. Maybe I'm pantsless. All for that. How about pants? Pantsless.
0: <laughs> 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 mm. Like I said, what what, what did what Just did Carell say? What did Correll say, Lance? I'm not superstitious, but I'm a lot of stitious. A, he still. said a
1: little stitious, but you are a lot of stitious. So I think it's, it's very fitting you say a lot of stitious. I'm
0: a lot of stitious. I'm a, <laughs> but I'm going to ride it. Because nobody even asked Marty Schottenheimer. Nobody asked him, hey, why, why are you taking away the red pants? Nobody to me to ask. He just was just recognized. We're going to go wide on white on the road. And that was it. There was no press conference on their website. There wasn't websites. There was no announcement. The Chiefs are getting rid of the red pants. It was just obvious. It was like, hey, we're trying to change the culture of losing on the road. And it worked. So I'm from that era. I'm from that era because the Kansas City Kings were more relevant than the Kansas City Chiefs when they left Kansas City. That is freaking important. That is important to freaking remember where the Chiefs were in 1985 when my Kansas City Kings left my city. So what the Chiefs did from Carl Peterson, who came to Kansas City, bringing in Marty Schottenheimer that will always be the base of Chiefs Kingdom because it was it was it was sad it was really sad before they came here
1: Shaggy let the people know where they can find you on your show and on all social media platforms
0: just go to YouTube and go, uh, put in the search Shaggy Shane Chiefs you'll find me or you can go to Google Shaggy Shane Chiefs I am at Shaggy Shane KC on Twitter I don't tweet much I basically just see what Lance is tweeting with stats and maybe Clay and other people who uh, give a shit about me. So um, I've just how old I am. I, I'm 52. I stick to Facebook and YouTube mostly, but I am on Twitter. I don't, like I said, I don't tweet much. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens this week. I hope and pray we don't play Monday night because there's a chance, guys, nobody's talking about this. There's a chance that the Chiefs could play next Monday, and then play Saturday. Both those games will be at home, but still, you want more than five days in between. Clay saying, hold on, Shaggy. The NFL will not screw us like that. Oh, really? Look <laughs> at the Bengals. Look, we're having the Bengals game. You think they're not going to screw us? How can they make a life a little harder for Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs? Only give him five days in between games. I hope that's not the case. The Buffalo Bills played they were the second seed last year and they played their first two games on Saturday. They hosted the first round against the Colts on a Saturday, the very next week they played the, uh, they played the uh, Baltimore Ravens on a Saturday. Then they had eight days to get ready to come to Kansas city and lose. So, it's important that we don't get screwed. I am not a fan of it. I don't know why everybody's like, the first ever Monday night football game, that sucks for anybody. Even if you don't have five games, you gotta go, you're gonna have six games. Okay, well we don't play Saturday, we play Sunday. Yay, a short week in the playoffs. Who is making these dumbass decisions? It's terrible. Football is on Saturday and Sunday in the playoffs, not Monday kiss my ass if you freaking disagree with me i don't give a crap the chiefs playing on monday night even if they don't have to play till sunday sucks but you know what if the nfl does that to us we will win monday and saturday or monday and sunday but it's still bullshit (laughs)
1: Couldn't agree more, and that is our guy Shaggy Shane Williams The man that everyone gives a shit about And everybody should be following Whether he's on Twitter, whether it's on YouTube Whether it's on Facebook He is the best Chiefs fan you will ever meet He is a man that you absolutely need to be following guys, Because he has the knowledge, he has the passion He has everything you need If you're trying to get the full Chiefs fan experience And he's a very knowledgeable guy, and I love him to death He is one of my best friends, he's a brother to me He'll always be a brother to me, no matter how Different our age brackets are, wherever we're from we come together man we love one thing and that is the chiefs that is the chiefs as a whole man so my guy shaggy thank you so much my brother i hope you have yourself an awesome day and we will have to get you back on the show before the super bowl
0: i'll see you we'll be back we'll be back in a few weeks love you
1: brothers i love you man thank you so much that's our guy shaggy shane
0: God, I just I wish we could just
1: keep going with him, man. I just I just know that he has so much more he wants to say. So I know he has to like pick and choose what he wants to like bring on the show. I always yeah. feel bad because I want to give as much time for him because he just cooks, man. That's my guy. <laughs> I love Shaggy Shane. I hope you guys are all following mine. Seriously, he's, and he's very interactive too. He's he he will definitely interact with you if appreciate you have a question.
2: The, the live updates on the Texans
1: game. <laughs> he was calling good. the game for us. I appreciate <laughs> that so much. Clay's updating me as we're, as the show's going. He's like sending me messages and everything, let me know what's going on in the game as well. Um, but man, yeah, that was a great interview. It was a great segment. I appreciate our guy Shaggy for jumping on, man. He's always, always so great to have on the show. He always brings the energy no matter what's going on with the Chiefs. Even in the offseason the dude brings it. So I appreciate yeah, that yeah. so much from our guy Shaggy. Uh, we have one more order of business to get to guys. I can't believe that we this is where we're already at, right. but nevertheless we have one more thing to get to, and it's called Hold This L. Uh, each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether they're friendly or not friendly, we promise you, who is ever holding the L's in the world of sports from each one of us? The motherfuckers deserve it. Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo Eddie Ortiz, who's holding the L for you this week, and is it F1 or Barcelona or anybody else over there on the European no, side of things?
3: Okay. No. I, I feel like today, I, I feel like it was more of a W uh, because of the news, uh, the official news that, that came down. So it's official. Uh, Clay Thompson will be playing today uh, after two and a half years of uh, not being able to play basketball. Obviously, the sport he loves. And then coming back from two, two significant injuries. It, it's, it's like, um, how, do, how do you say, it? like heartwarming? Like, it, 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 it's like uh, very sentimental, I guess you can say. For a lot of, I guess, for a lot of fans, a lot of sports fans in general, just seeing a guy coming back from two significant injuries that have ended careers in the past, uh, come back and you, you know uh, and, and play basketball, and and I think today proves that Klay Thompson has not only worked hard, but he's still at at the level of of the NBA. If uh, he's still at the team, and and Steve Kerr believes that you know he he can help the team win and. You know, go go forward and continue the season. So I just want to give him uh, props, man, for that dedication, for not giving up, for for not uh, falling into that that black hole, the depression. You know, because uh, having two significant injuries in back-to-back seasons could be could be very detrimental to to an athlete, especially yep. their, their their mental health. So I give him props for that, man, and I, I hope he comes back and he he's still killing it out there on the court so yeah he's 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 getting my my
1: w today hell yeah trevor twidwell who's getting the l
2: for you this week (laughs) well i just want to give a a w out real quick too before my l um uh mark from made mob i just want to give a shout out man look this guy if anybody is friends with him and knows him personally, we've had him person on the show i don't know him that well but i do we do have back and forth on social media and if he is watching if he does ever see this episode maybe maybe not I just want to give him airwaves real quick I just want to give this guy was fighting for his life everyone knows uh, that knows him he was you know keeping us updated he wasn't able to see this this guy was able to see his family as one father to another I couldn't even imagine what it's like sitting in a hospital let alone being in a hospital is fucking terrible everyone hates hospitals no one wants to be there because it's always bad news typically most of the time he was sitting in a hospital by himself not by not able to see his family life was on the line made it through not only did he make it through, he made the biggest contract, the biggest collab of his life, the biggest collab, that this, his, his, the career that he's built from the ground up, Made Mob. I'm wearing a Made Mob hat right now in honor of it because I love the brand, I support the brand, he's local, he's a great individual, pure human being, father, everything about this guy I love and I, and I honestly look up to this guy. I'm trying to you know be someone who makes something in my life as well. So I respect the hell out of this guy. He made it through he fought he, he got his you know he got his life on on back, took control of his life, was fighting for it and now made the biggest collab collabing with the chiefs. I mean it's just crazy man seeing I, I thought I didn't know what I knew he was talk, talk building up the the, <clears throat> the hype of the collab. Uh, I didn't know what it was gonna be exactly then, then he came out with the news and it broke and uh, made mob ex-chiefs. Man, I can't wait to see what the gear is going to look like. I'm sure it's going to be fire because if we're all being honest, sometimes the Chiefs' sideline gear. Sometimes the Chiefs' gear has been a little lackluster, if I'm being honest. I don't always buy it. Um, but, man, I am looking forward to the heat that Made Mob is going to bring out with the Chiefs. Uh, so, I mean, kudos and shout-out to Mark, man. Such a great individual. Uh, deserves every last bit of this and the success that he's getting into, gonna have moving forward. So I just wanted to give him some airwaves on that. I don't know if you have anything to add on that, Lance. At uh, all.
1: Yeah, I 100 percent want to. I don't want to upstage that at all because that's a know. great. It's, I'm glad I'm you sure brought you were it up. Say something about it. Uh, Mark Leno is is a good friend of mine. Uh, I've known Mark now for about four or five years. And uh, being a former local business owner myself, we used to do a lot of collabs together. Uh used to do a lot of first Fridays. We used to hang out just in general, man, run into each other downtown when we are doing deliveries for each other's uh, respective companies. And something I always was inspired by when it came to Mark was that he doesn't... He doesn't treat you like somebody that he just met, even if you did just meet him. He always treats you with such a profound amount of respect and gives you an opportunity to prove to him, basically, of of what you are. And I love people like that, and I respect people like that because I always try to be like that with folks as well. And with him, it always comes off very authentic and very real. But what's, what's crazy about Mark is... He's one of those uh, a pe- rare people that is able to be so personable but yet so professional and so business-minded. It's so hard to find people like that because you'll have somebody that is so business-driven and so business-minded. They almost have a, a coldness to them, almost a wall to where you really can't get into the person. They don't really have a lot of them out there. And Mark is both, and 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 that's why I'm so glad. And I always tell him, dude, you're an MVP here in Kansas City. You are. Nice. Our last text thread just a couple days ago was that. It was I was like, dude, you you have to understand that this city is so much better because of you, because of your brand. People looked at you guys when you first started all those years ago. I think it was back in 2011, 2012 when Made first came around. I think 2013 was when they first established that mm-hmm. everyone just looked at it as some urban apparel company. But it's deeper than that. They represent something about Kansas City that is unique to just Kansas City. And Mark brought that out, and now because of those efforts and all the hard work he's put in those this last decade, and not just his brand but his person, who he is, they are now collabing with the biggest brand in Kansas City, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Doing it at the peak and the apex of what the Chiefs are is nothing short of amazing. Because I know how how tight to the vest the Chiefs are, and for them to be given right. this, uh, I don't even say they doing gave him the opportunity. Right, Mark earned this opportunity. Yeah. His brand earned this opportunity. So to Made Mob, to Made Urban Apparel, to Mark Leno, I want to give my hats off. The biggest yep. W I could ever give to somebody on this show. Sure. I'm giving it to my guy, Mark. I love you, brother. You're a great man. Continue to do what you're doing. I'm so glad you have your health. There's yep. nothing short of there's it's nothing short of amazing that you got through what you got through. But I like I told him on our text, and I'll say it again. It ain't. Shocking because what you did what you're getting is everything you deserve brother and it's yeah. success hats off to you my friend absolutely yeah I just wanted to give him that that time because I
2: felt he he's deserving of it and anybody who knows him he knows that he's a man of his word a man of his business and a family man at that so I can respect all of those things um my my L is gonna be simple last week I gave um I gave the L to the Raiders for doing the or last episode we get I gave my L to the Raiders because uh of a whole fiasco and, and you know dancing on our yeah, and we gave, we, you know, we, clapped those cheeks very soon after that. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to you know, continue that trend of uh, this division and the, and the way we continue to dominate it. Um, I'm going to give it to Donkey Nation. Um, <clears throat> that's 13 straight dubs on y'all's ass. 13 uh-huh. straight, bro. Patrick uh-huh. Mahomes does not even know what it feels like to lose to the Broncos. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that alone is insane. <laughs> that, that's the longest streak in any division ever. That's wild, bro. Yep. That is insane. And it's not like the Denver Broncos have had bad teams. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this I mean, I know that they're lacking a quarterback, which is obviously the most important position, but they've had good rosters. I mean, we've top had top
1: 5 defense. And we've had close games yeah.
2: similar last last night, you know. Last night was not a game that was just a, a, a wrap from the start. We it was it took everything, you know. We had a win, and we continue to find ways to win. They continue to find ways to lose or straight up get destroyed. Either way, um yeah, I I'm not going to add too much more to it cuz I don't have too much hatred towards the it's not like the Raiders for me. The Raiders runs deeper in my blood than than the Broncos do. But, um, yeah, man. Donkey Nation, the fans that were talking shit. <clears throat> Just the, the fact that we have 13 straight thirteen straight dubs and y'all can't figure out a way to, to top my homes yet.
1: I love it. So, for that, y'all can do me a favor and
2: hold, hold this L. L.
1: Well, uh, I already gave out my W. I'm glad you brought that up, Chara, because yeah. that was definitely something I was going to mention with our guy Mark Leno. But I got a couple L's this week. <laughs> um, first of all, I want to go to the NBA. Mm. So there, there's there been a, a growing tension in New York City when it comes to the Knicks and their players. And we knew that Julius Randle was never going to be the guy that got them over the edge. We saw Good him, him get them into the yeah. playoffs. and we're thinking, okay, they can build upon this. Well, this season hasn't gone the way the Knicks were hoping it would go. And for some damn reason, it's being put on the shoulders of Julius Randle, who, once again, was not a guy that many people expected to really lift this team further into postseason success. He's not a premier player. He's a good player, but he's not a premier player. And we saw him getting booed at a recent home game, and Julius Randle ended up throwing the, the thumbs down to the Knicks fans, and then just, it just piled on. The fuel was piling on, and Julius Randle was asked a, cu- a series of questions about what he was trying to sell, tell to the Knicks fans, and he told him, "I told him to shut the fuck up." And I just used, the, and, and somebody was came to the defense of Julius Randle, saying, "Well, you used the wrong finger," because they sh- he said they should have gave him the bird because. I, here's the thing. I'm conflicted because I understand Knicks fans have been so sick and tired of the losing. Yeah. They've been so loyal to that that team, and that team has Should never be been there. Yeah, <laughs> that team's never really yeah. given it back to them over the last yeah. three, four decades. So, and, and they've had some similar success, back like in the '90s, and their you know Eastern Conference Finals. They went to the finals, things like that. But it's been a long time. So I understand the frustration. From my my vantage point, though, is this is all created because of the inept and incompetent leadership at the knicks organization from the top down they just cannot find the right leadership and because of that you're now seeing the fans and the players feuding in front of each other. It's almost like Reggie Miller and Spike Lee going at it, except it's the Knicks on Knicks. It's getting that bad now in New York, and they got to have some sort of change. they got to get some people in there that are competent and can get that team back to winning, because if the Memphis Grizzlies and the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls can all get back to prominence and look promising with their young stars, what the fuck is the Knicks' excuse, man? They're in New York, the mecca, where LeBron and Steph and Michael Jordan, all these guys said they lived to play that's Bryant. so many top Yes, too. they live to play. And how sad is that that the mecca of the, NFL, of the NBA, which is Madison Square Garden, is more known for the guys that are visiting than the players that are playing there. That, that's beyond sad. So the New York Knicks do me a solid and well, hold this uh, L. My final L, which is my favorite L of the week, is going to Tom Brady. Mm. And why do I say that? You should say, well, Lance, you should be giving it to the Bucks. Lance, you should be giving it to Antonio Brown. No, I'm not. Oh, fuck, this one's going to Tom. You know why it's going to Thomas Brady? It's because Thomas Brady is the one that invited this shit storm, known as Antonio Brown, to not one, but two different franchises that Tom Brady has played for That's in his cool. career. Back in 2019, he fought and he fought and he cried and he cried. And the Patriots, even after the horrific debacle with the Raiders, he begged Belichick to bring Antonio Brown in. Well, less than one full week in, they had to cut him because of sexual allegations they had off the field. That was a complete blunder and a complete failure. You look at the the Tampa Bay, you're thinking, oh, well, they won a Super Bowl with them, so it was a success, right? Well, I don't know about you guys, but last I checked, the Bucs were going into the playoffs or going towards the playoffs as one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, and it was largely because of the fact that they still had Antonio Brown on the team. And when he's your third or fourth option on your offense, your offense is unbelievable. Well, now, they've had a series of injuries. Chris Godwin, who's having an all-pro season, one of the best receivers in football this year statistically and just period, tears his ACL. Then you have Mike Evans dealing with hamstring injuries, Leonard Fournette dealing with lower extremity issues. Their offensive line's been banged up. Their defensive line's been banged up. Their secondary, who was already horrendous, is now even worse with injuries. They are riddled with injuries. And what happens against the Jets, a team that they should have absolutely walloped? Not only were they losing in this game in New York it barely won on the final drive of the game, Game, but Antonio Brown makes a complete sham and mockery of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and in particular Bruce Arians and Tom Brady as a whole by walking off the field half-naked and all these allegations are not coming out. He's now going on podcasts calling out Tom Brady himself, the one guy that was loyal to Antonio Brown this entire time. And I can't even give full credit to Antonio Brown because the only only, the only the reason he even has these opportunities to do so is because of Tom Brady standing up for him. And somehow, someway, Antonio Brown found a way to make Tom Brady look like a victim, but I'm not letting it happen. Because this was Tom Brady's choice. You really think Bruce Arians, who hated, hated Antonio Brown back in Pittsburgh when they both were there all those years ago, would have signed up to bring Antonio Brown's crazy ass to that team? Hell no. The only reason it happened is because of Tom Brady's wrinkly old ass choosing to have Antonio Brown on that team, and because of Antonio Brown or because of Tom Brady vying and and defending Antonio Brown, they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. So for that, Tom Brady, do me a solid and hold this L. It was a fast show, but it was a fun show. Today was a fun show, man. We get to talk about the Chiefs going into the playoffs... Uh, as it currently stands, the Titans are up 7-0. Uh, it looks like their defense is playing really well against Davis Mills, but I still am holding out hope. I still believe the Texans get this done, but maybe some of you guys are going to be giving me an L next week as I'm as I'm articulating this on a show that you guys are probably going to be listening to and the decision was already made. But we'll see because no matter what happens, no matter where the seedings lie or the seedings fall, the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl this year, and I'm very confident in that. So in the meantime, guys, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Shaggy Shane Williams, for the great Clay winner that puts all this stuff, together for all of you i am lance twidwell episode 149 of the spoken podcast is done finished infinito until we're here for episode 150 a landmark a landmark podcast episode for us, guys. Patrick Mahomes just threw his 150th touchdown. We're about to land our 150th episode the next week, and we're going to be talking about NFL playoff predictions, baby. I hope you all are ready, because I know I am. I wish we could do the show right now, but we got to wait for another week. So in the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Until 150 is here, we out of this bitch.
0: See you.
1: gonna get bad at this bitch thank you so much for listening guys see ya
2: you are tuned into the
1: i might actually stick i might actually stick around for a little bit